headed Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city All around people looking half dead Walking on the sidewalk harder than a match yeah. But at night it's a different world Go out and find a girl Come on, come on and dance all night Despite the heat it'll be alright And babe, don't you know it's a pity The days can't be like the nights In the summer, in the city In the summer, in the city Hey, this is Eric from Long Island. You're listening to the Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror movies. This is episode 199 of Horror Movie Podcast, and it's brought to you by our Movie Podcast Network patrons and by Shudder, the Netflix for horror. You can try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP when signing up. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code HMP. On Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie reviews for classics and new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. I am Gilman Joel Robertson, and we're joined by your horror hosts... Dave Dr. Shockbecker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman Josh. You want to look pretty, don't you? Pretty for me? You're so pretty. (laughs) That was probably the most disturbing one ever. Uh, I, I, I feel like that should make me uncomfortable, but it didn't. It didn't at all. Yeah. For this episode, we're in a New York state of grime as we bring you feature reviews of Street Trash, I Am Legend, and Basket Case. We also have screaming online mini reviews of Maniac from 1980 and Maniac Cop. We are doing the New York State of Grime episode, finally, and we are doing it joined by a very, very special guest, the one, the only, the devilish Daryl Taylor. Hello. Yes. Now, now Daryl, I've heard about you through the interwebs, and I heard that you think you're thinking about starting a podcast. Yes, yes, I am. So you wanted to try this out just so you could get some experience. I'm just totally kidding. Daryl is an old school podcaster. He's been around forever and a day. He does a show that he's very proud of that isn't Retro Movie Geek, but he also does Retro (laughs) Movie Geek with me and Peter. I'm so proud of Retro Movie Geek. What are you talking about? I know, I know. So those that listen to Retro Movie Geek, I promise... I promise I will not allow myself. I will not even pull Daryl under the bus here with me. I will not allow myself to be going down the road of snarky uh, commentary like we often do on that show. This is serious. Now, I I promise promises you can't keep. No, this is serious business because this is a themed episode that has been a long time a coming. Right, Dave? Yes, it has. Uh, Well, you know what? I I think it, uh, it arrived just when it should. I think number 199, <laughs> right. you know, that, that, so that's fine. I, I got no problem with it, but what's it been? I think it's been what, about six months. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I was sure. talking about this and yeah, I, I would say that, you know, there's a lot that's happened since you first brought yeah. up doing this thing. Yeah, there has, and yeah. we've had to, you know, bump it a few times and, uh, uh, rightly so, I think, but, um, now it's, it's finally here and I'm looking forward to it. Yes. And I know Daryl, you know, we asked you to join us, not only because you're an awesome podcaster, but because you are, for those that don't know, a native of the Big Apple. And of course, Daryl, you grew up in uh, Queens, right? Because that's that's where you live today. You, you were born in Queens. You, you've lived there your whole life. So you yeah. have tangible real world experience going to the types of theaters that many of the movies we are going to be discussing would have played in. Yes. And I've been on a train uh, platform at three in the morning when the trains are not really running well Mm. and being on that platform when there's no one there. Is that a horrifying situation? Yeah. Yeah. It it, it gives you, it is nothing like it. It, I I bet. Feeling (laughs) of uh, alertness that you have to have when you're sitting on that platform by yourself. So not sober, but alert. Yeah. Never sober. (laughs) Never sober. (laughs) So Dave, do you want to let us know then what was it about this? What is it about New York I guess we have to be specific and say this, that we will be discussing a lot of movie titles later on that take place in or around the state of New York. But since you came up with the whole New York state of grime, I think, and uh, and obviously for those that don't know, which, you know, there might be a a few people out there that don't know that you're alluding to a Billy Joel song uh, that has a similar title. So what was it about though? What is it about that time period and, and these certain types of movies that made you want to cover it? I was reading a quote about New York City around, you know, talking in the 70s and 80s, and I couldn't find it. I I really want to find it, but they compared it to the Wild West. That was the mentality in the city. And at least that's also how the rest of the country sort of perceived New York. And I'm just thinking about it from, you know, the late 70s and into the 80s with the newscasts and and everything that was coming out of New York. That was sort of the perception that that I had. And I'm just, you know, a little bit south in in Philadelphia. I'm not even that far from New York City, but that's a perception that I had of, of New York. It's just this sort of wild and crazy place. And then when I started to rent movies, and it wasn't even the horror ones initially, it was, um, you know, Scorsese's Mean Streets, which led me to Taxi Driver. Films like that, that I... It, it was really, I'm a kid from the suburbs, and it was like a gut punch, these films, you know? And it was a world that was very foreign to me, yet incredibly interesting. And then when you get into the horror films from that time period, from the late 70s and, and into the 80s, and some of them, you know, we'll be discussing tonight, it just kind of strengthened that interest that I had in New York at that time. So what was it then specifically about New York City during the 70s and 80s? You know, the uh, social things that were going on, the the economics. Well, I think the first set off was there was a fiscal crisis during that time. I mean, that set that off. And then there were already problems in the city of of people being segregated. There were races that were not, you know, they were very segregated in different neighborhoods. You were not, if you were black, you were not allowed in certain neighborhoods if you're italian you didn't go to other neighborhoods if you're Irish, we saw gangs of new york we we got the idea we had the general idea that didn't change uh, <laughs> uh much uh in, in certain places so you add loss of jobs the trains were running worse you know like it was a mess with the cabs there were not a lot of social programs going on for kids you know nothing for kids to do during the summer it was hot and also dip in the drugs, you know, the cocaine epidemic was, was happening. And then that turned into the crack epidemic 
We already had issues with heroin before that. You mix that all together, and that's just a nice mixture of <laughs> what we got. A place that was uh, pretty much, it was made, New York was turned into its own character, right? That was a, there, there, was, there was a thing about that crime and, and, and all the, the things that went along with crime and, and sex. And, you know, because there's one thing when there's a fiscal crisis that never changes, uh, drug trade grows, sex trade grows, people use whatever means they can to make money on the side legal or, or illegal and it caused people to look at new york and uh, even romanticize that kind of look that kind of dirtiness i mean even if it, it was even exaggerated after a point i was like is new york that bad i live here i didn't know it was that <laughs> and, I would, and actually i want to ask you that daryl so as a lifelong resident and i don't even know if you ever thought about it this way when you would see a movie like Escape from New York or mm. you know whatever, even to horror or not, did you find it remotely? And I realize Escape from New York might be the extreme example, but a, <laughs> anything, anything relatable uh, in anything you saw, or was it all? Did it feel like you were in the same position, say Doug or Josh or myself, where we're on the outside watching this, going, "Man, I don't know if I want to go there." Listen, a lot of filmmakers that made these films were not from New York, and so you know, of course, they amplified some of it. I mean, some of it, yes, it was true. There were a lot of muggings, and uh, you did not ride the train at night if you were by yourself, if you had any sense. Sadly, there were a lot of women that were assaulted coming home from work, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff was, yeah, that was real. I mean, that, all of that was, was true. That was all real. Of course, there's always guns. I don't care what city you're in. You add poverty to that city, any kind of uh, financial crisis and all of a sudden guns find their way into the city. So yeah, that stuff was happening. I mean, there were little gangs happening all over the city too, you know, little Italian gangs, uh, black gangs, Asian gangs. I mean, that's just, you know, that was something that was, that was happening. Baseball gangs. Is that, was that a thing? <laughs> yes. Yes. Warriors. War, right. Were, <laughs> you know, mannequin gangs. They just said oh, mannequin <laughs> gangs are the worst. They're, they're so wooden. I know. I know. So you're not that much older than me. So you may not have a strong recollection of this, but the son of Sam killings and then the citywide mm. blackout of 77. Do you have any mm. recollection of those or were you too young? I, I remember them. I re, it's it, the there's nothing like New York and the heat from the summer. Like there's just a heat from I don't know what it is where it hits the street. And I remember I think I was in Brooklyn. I was spending the the summer with my my cousins at the time. You know, my, I lived in a house with with a lawn and trees and all that stuff. But in Brooklyn, we were in a brownstone. So when the lights went out, <laughs> you had you know you were in one of those, you know, brownstone apartments where everybody could come outside. That was the other thing, too, about the city that back then, even though it was dangerous, but everybody knew everybody in, in your if you were in your area, in your neighborhood where you lived, everyone knew you. So it was all right to be around in your area for the most part. But, you know, you just knew you can't go to certain places and, you know, expect to be safe. But yeah, there was that kind of feeling, that heat that makes you just, you can't get comfortable, you can't sleep. It makes you anxious. It is that kind of feeling to it. And then you add to that hormones, <laughs> girls walking around, it's hot. So everybody's walking around with a lot less clothes. 
there is that look in these movies <laughs> where yeah. i mean disco was happening also that those kind of styles of clothes i mean there was a sexiness to it yeah so it did have that kind of feeling to it that if one thing happened it could set anything off and there were times in the city where there were uh something happened and and all of a sudden people started you know having many little altercations they weren't riots because they weren't that big but i just many altercations here and there but um yeah we ran around as kids we ran around in that i mean we we hid we played hide and go seek in the dark in the summer at night in those apartments and Ooh. it was it was pretty crazy yeah we, crazy. you didn't think about it but <laughs> yeah. you did it i mean you didn't really think about how dangerous it could be when you're a kid it, you know when you're playing and stuff but uh yeah, that feeling like the street, the smell of the garbage, you know, when they don't pick it up right away and that heat hits it like it's a smell unlike any other that you will not even when you get older, you will never forget that smell of hot garbage. It is nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing hot, like that. hot garbage, wow. the name of my memoir. Yeah. So when you were younger in the 80s, mm-hmm. I say when you go into Manhattan now, you and I met in person for the we podcasted together for darn near a decade at this point, but we've never met in the flesh until this past March, you know, right. which was a very uneventful uh, visit. Well, yeah, <laughs> not, sure. Nothing, nothing happened. Nothing major happened at that no. trip at all. But uh, if we have time, we'll get to that discussion. Yeah. A campfire tale of true life horror. So <laughs> I got to meet you in the, in the flesh. So where we were staying, that area that was like with that Broadway, uh-huh. I, I, it's a, the Times Square area, right? Mm hmm. The visual I always had in my head, I'm not going to even lie, like because I'll be reviewing Basket Case later. <laughs> when you were a kid, is that more like what Times Square was, where it was a lot less family friendly than what I saw? I'll put it this way. I remember being in a car driving. I think my uh, grandparents drove me to my mother worked in the city, drove me to, to meet her. And then we were going to go to the movies because there weren't theaters everywhere back then. And. I remember in the car, I remember a prostitute waving to me as I stared out of the car window. And I remember the, I remember seeing her pimp grab her and and pull her back. And I remember my mother trying to like cover my eyes or make me not look. Mm -hmm. So I remember that look though. Yeah. I remember (laughs) there were certain blocks where you, you drive down that block and there were prostitutes standing out and they, they would approach your car and there were pimps and there were sex shops and there were, you know, video stores. They were there. I mean, lights were flashing. It was, uh, it was the show that they were pretty close to how New York was at that time. I can't think of the show. It it just went off. Uh, oh, like is it the one, ago. the deuce? Was it called the, the deuce? deuce? Yeah. I have to say the deuce captured New York pretty well. Okay. At that time, because it what at night, like it was a different world at night. Like after a certain time, there were people that left the city. They're like they, you, it was kind of like that. You you hung out during the day, even though it's still a little, little rough. But you hung out during the day. You did your thing. You went to work, whatever. But by the time night dropped, you got your ass back to where you you know you lived, whether Brooklyn, Queens, wherever. Did you ever go? to any of those 
and I, I, I'm not referring to the adult theaters, but did you ever go to the... I went to those too, but... Uh, uh, well, okay. Well, that's another, we'll do that different <laughs> on our show. The Retro Movie Geek, we'll cover that stuff. Uh, okay. So did you ever go to any of those... 42nd Street? Isn't that where a lot of the... 42nd grind? Street, yeah, it, it, there was. And I have a, a few things that the quote, but yeah, 42nd Street was sort of the center of uh, Grindhouse yeah. films. Did you ever you know? go to yeah. anything there? Uh, not so much hung out in the movies, but I mean, towards the... 90s there were times where i worked in the city where i would me and and me and my couple of my friends we would go to they had strip they weren't clubs though they were like really small they were in the back of they still have a few of those every night around but you go in the it's a video store and you go in the back of the video store and you go there's booths and you go in the booth and you can watch women kind of strip for you like Paris, Texas style. Yes, right. yes. And that, and that is you, you get these coins and you put the coins in and you can watch them for a certain amount of time. And it's almost like a video game the way they have them, like because the sheet will close back up and then you have to put the coin back in to open the sheet back up again. To get you to the next level? To get you to the next level. <laughs> Get you to the next level. Okay. And I'm telling you, there were times I remember seeing where uh, there were probably guys who probably were married or had jobs that they didn't want anyone to know they were doing that. And if police happened to walk in every now and again, they would leave quickly. You see them running out quickly. That's that's happened. Like roaches just scurrying. Yes. Yes. They right. scurry like roaches. Gotcha. That is true. It's there's nothing like seeing like a dude dressed in a suit running out of the booth quickly when they they hear voices of police. So Dave then, okay, you hear all this from a a native New Yorker and I think, I I feel like I'm not throwing you under the bus when I say this because I'm 100% guilty of it as well. Does that confirm or dispel all the stereotypes you had in your mind of what that place was like? Because for me, I, I mean, I always thought, like you thought, that New York City was a lot like these movies and I guess mm-hmm. in some, like, even when I went, I mean, obviously it's been a lot, it had been Disney-fied in a way. I know that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people have, you know, said it's become, but it, you could kind of see it around the edges. Like, you could see where it could have been, it once was, but... Right. Son of Sam did scare the city because no one knew what his type was. Mm-hmm. Like, right. he, he was murdering women and they would go, oh, he's just murdering blondes or he's just murdering redheads or, and women were actually going... And changing their hair colors and hairstyles because they were scared mm-hmm. that oh. they would be the next victim. And it really did put the city on edge yeah. uh, during that time because well, it's not like now where there's cameras everywhere. There were no cameras. You could pretty much, uh, you know, do what you do and then, you know, disappear into the city. Um, and they I mean, did. And that was a scary time for a lot the, of people. The Spike Lee movie was a Summer of Sam. Mm-hmm. I think sort of captured that and captured a lot of uh, what I heard you talking about as far as like the, the way the city was with the, and yeah. it even had the blackout in there. Mm-hmm. And and I was looking here and one of the things I, I saw reading up on, on son of Sam and he wrote a letter to the police sort of taunting the cops. Yep. Hey, horror fans, sorry to break in in the middle of this episode. I normally would not do this because I think anyone listening to a horror podcast is basically given consent for most of the topics we're going to discuss. 
But I do acknowledge that there's a difference between horror fiction and horror fact. And so I do want to give a trigger warning to this point that Dave is going to be reading from the manifesto of an actual serial killer. Because I know not everybody felt like they were signing up for that when they clicked on a movie podcast. I know I wasn't ready for it. (laughs) So if you'd like to avoid hearing this content, skip ahead about 45 seconds. If you go a full minute, you'll be definitely in safe territory. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just to read a little bit here at the beginning. I am deeply hurt by your calling me a woman hater. I am not, but I am a monster. I am the son of Sam. I am a little brat. When Father Sam gets drunk, he gets mean. He beats his family. Sometimes he ties me up to the back of the house. Other times he locks me in the garage. Sam loves to drink blood. Go out and kill, commands Father Sam. Behind our house, some rest, mostly young, raped and slaughtered, their blood drained, just bones now. Good God, man. Uh, and, and it goes on. Uh, down at the, at the yeah. bottom here, it says, uh, police, let me haunt you with these words. I'll be back. I'll be back. To be interpreted as bang, 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 ugh. Yours in murder, Mr. Monster. Wow. That is creepy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. Trigger warning there for people. Good <laughs> night. That was intense. It is. And add, I mean, and the other bad thing about uh, the summer and fear is that it brings up the most darkest parts of your everybody's personalities, right? So any kind of racial issues people have, they come out and it, it just amplifies it. So th- there's a lot of that going on. Also, a lot of blaming each other for the city being the way it is. Right. Uh, you know, the news ampl- you know, may- didn't help anything either. <laughs> I mean, they just right. amplified that as well. As opposed to and, now, you know. <laughs> well, and, and so also it was very, every time someone wanted to get elected, when New York was that bad, they would use New York as the poster child, right? Mm-hmm. I will clean up places like that. You know, a lot of a lot of politicians ran on. I will clean that. If you vote for me, I will clean that place up. And they won. <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of fear does win out, especially when there was just that sense of there was no protection in New York. You were pretty much on your own. You and the people in your neighborhood were, was your protection. You had to stay together. Yeah, that's pretty much was it was. If your neighbors saw their neighbors' kids out. At certain times at night, they had the right to come out and kick our asses to go back home because that's mm-hmm. how it was. I mean, you know, like that, mm-hmm. you had to watch out for each other at that time. Even with the police force, we had to deal with brutality and stuff. But there was that sense in the city that there was danger everywhere and you had to really watch where you went. You Everywhere, you had to watch where you went. And I don't even know how it is for women. Like... I, you know, to think about how it is for guys is one thing, but to think about how it is for women who worked in the city to come home, I couldn't even imagine what my mother went through back in the day, coming home in the 70s and 80s, being a, a five foot four woman, you know, coming home and, you know, from work. Um, and those trains did look that nasty. And mm. you did have to watch yourself on those trains. I mean, that's, Horror movies were the, I guess, the best horror movies are the ones where you can imagine it really happening. Mm. And some of those are in it. <laughs> some of the picks that you have for the show, 
definitely make you think about that because yeah. there, there are definitely things that can happen and have. I mean, there are killings inside of theaters back then as well. I mean, that's how that's how dangerous it was. It made the it made anyone kind of crazy. Any any psychos who had those tendencies, they came to New York. It attracted uh, certain people who felt isolated, and they got off on making the city feel that fear. That's what he got off on. That that was Son of Sam. He loved that feeling of having a city just running for cover at night because mm -hmm. of him. That's crazy. I mean, I, I'm thinking of in the movie Summer of Sam, uh, mm -hmm. like you were saying, and it, it got into some of the the racial unrest at the time and all the theories going around of who summer is. I remember the one in particular, somebody put, put forth in the movie anyway, I don't know I'm, this is reality, but saying, Hey, Reggie Jackson just came to New York. Maybe Reggie Jackson yeah. is son of Sam. <laughs> they were interviewed. They were man on the street interviews. You get anything right. And the news seems to always love to get the craziest person <laughs> in a crowd that that's the one they pick. To interview them about something and yeah right. that the crazy stuff like that did come out i mean it wasn't real but i mean you know that people would said some i do remember there was some crazy stuff said like that right. too <laughs> now we also have you know some horror filmmakers that are often a lot of their work has new york connections and i'm pretty sure the ones we have on the list are i, I don't know if they're all native but I feel like they are. Maybe I'm wrong. So do you have that in front of you, Dave? Do you want to maybe read off? Uh, let me take a look here. Yes, I do. Uh, okay, this is just a quick list that I put together of uh, you know filmmakers who loved shooting or setting their movies in New York City. Uh, you had uh, Larry Cohen, uh, who uh, did, you know, the one I always think of with him is Cue the Winged Serpent. Mm -hmm. But he did a lot of other movies that gets alive and, and, and all set in New York. Brian De Palma. Set a lot of his films in New York City. Uh, Abel Ferrara, you know, starting with The Driller Killer, going right through to Miss 45. A lot of his films were set in New York. Uh, Frank Henenlotter, who will come up later, as will the next person, William Lustig. Mm -hmm. William Lustig set. There were three movies in the 80s, I think, and, and uh, two of them were going to be discussed uh, tonight. Um, you know, obviously Maniac and Maniac Cop. But then he had a, a crime movie called Vigilante that came out in between those two. I want to say it was mm -hmm. 1982. That really, really showed you the, the the sort of grimy side of New York, um, and it's a, it was about just that about this guy. His uh, his uh, family is attacked by by a gang, and he takes uh, matters into his own hands. Had Fred Williamson in it. It had um, it had a really strong cast. Uh, Robert Forster was the star of it. It's not a horror film, but I think it's a movie that horror fans would uh, uh, would appreciate because of how. A down and dirty this film is it's vigilante from 82 and i would definitely recommend that one i mean you know not to you know i know we're going to talk about other films set in new york uh, later on um but william lustig is another one who uh i think uh, always jumped out at me as as being a, a new york quote unquote new york filmmaker and he is a new yorker he was born in the bronx and hannah lauder just shows he was born in new york city so i'm assuming that must mean manhattan okay and i'm thinking ferrara ivo ferrara was yes as well, i believe he I'm was for mistaken. sure yeah, i don't know yeah. about de palma I'm de palma not... was born in philadelphia but okay. he did eventually make his way to new york i okay. think all right and then of course we have italian horror films even if they weren't necessarily shot there a lot of them were like Fulci shot the opening sequence of zombie in New York. 
Um, and of course, the New York Ripper was shot in the city. Um, Cannibal Holocaust starts off in New York City. A lot of these Italian films, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if it was because of the stigma of New York at the time, but a lot of them would set at least a portion of the film. I mean, zombie takes place mostly on on a on an island, you know, uh, we're going to say in the Caribbean. But the opening scenes and the final scenes are set in New York City. And it's Fulci who, who seemed to, to like that. And, and the New York Ripper is another one of those movies that that sort of when you think of this period of New York, that's a movie that sort of jumps out at me as like I was saying with with a taxi driver and mean streets that had that New York as the Wild West. New York can make you feel alone, too. That's a that's another thing that New the city can Manhattan, especially. Really? Like there are parts of the city where you could go to at night and all of a sudden it'll just get quiet and you feel like you're by yourself. Wow. Like you, you only capture that in filmmaking. Like it, it is, it is a perfect place to shoot because it, it New York just has that look to it at certain times at night. And you remember the You're, movie after hours, the Scorsese? Oh yes. yeah. 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 Like yeah I, I always, sure. I remember I saw that when I was pretty young. I mean, I was in my teens and I remember I was fascinated by the idea because I think it just terrified me. Is nothing scarier than you because New York, the train stations are terrible on the weekend. So on Friday, we you go out. We go out on Friday. The route that you take to get back and forth from home to the city, that no longer works anymore when it gets to the to the weekend. So you have to find another route. And there were times, there were times where we've been out there hanging out way too long, no phones, you don't have cell phones back then and all that. And you have to find another route to get back uh, to where you live, especially if you live uh, in the boroughs. And I live way out, I lived in Queens. So out of everyone, I, I was the farthest. And there were times where it took us, we had to walk a few miles in the city to find the right train station to catch the train to go home. There were moments like that. And there were times where the train, you the train that you have to take to go home would stop running for like an hour or two. Mm. And you just have to wait, like being, it's one thing to be out when you want to be. And it's another thing to be forced to stay out because you have to wait for your train right. to come. And, right. and there's this feeling of, when you're young, you, 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 it's, it's an exciting feeling. It's almost, it's almost an exciting feeling like, like playing hide and go seek or something where you got to catch that train. Cause if you don't catch that train, like if you don't catch a 208 train, that means you have to wait till 308 to get the next train. So you make sure like there are times where you hear it, you can hear the train and the vents. And we had the <laughs> much younger days. We had to run. I'm talking run as fast as you could to get down into that train station and catch that train. And the train waits for no man or woman. Like that's <laughs> right. the other thing. When that train leaves you there and you're sitting in that platform for an hour platform where rats run through every sound, it sounds like somebody's coming to kill you. Yeah. Like at that time of night, right? It's, it is right. a crazy is, and you have no phone. I mean, and you like, you just, you just have to wait. You just have to sit there and wait. It's a perfect place to film any kind of uh, a horror film. 
And if you think about it, some of the more memorable scenes in some of the movies we'll be talking about tonight were set at night. I'm thinking of yeah. one specifically from Maniac. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes place, I think, in a train station, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. That train yeah. station yeah. 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 scene was yes. the most, because it reminded me of how true that is, because that can actually, that's the scariest thing about it. It can actually happen. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. the scary part about it. those bathrooms. Like you would never go into those bathrooms at night. Subway bathrooms. They're the don't even try unless don't. you're being stalked by a maniac, and then you might. Man, if you have to pee, I'd rather be upstairs peeing, getting embarrassed by other people seeing me, than have to pee in those bathrooms. You just never know who's in there. Wow. Scariest thing in the world. So wow. then, Dave, the, I know since obviously this all kind of revolves around grindhouses and those double features of Forty Second Street and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I have a couple things here. I'm just going to read real quick. First off is a, is a quote from uh, Frank Henenlotter. He's talking about growing up uh, in New York. And he says, I can't speak for others, but 42nd Street introduced me to a world of films I probably otherwise wouldn't have gotten to see and proved that there was a venue for these kind of films to be shown. I started going there when I was 15. I would cut high school, take a train to Manhattan, and then walk to 42nd Street and try to see as many films as possible. Let me describe the street to you in, the, in those days. Theater next to theater next to theater on both sides of the street from 7th to 8th Avenue. Yes, some theaters continue down past 6th Avenue and up 8th Avenue, but the concentration of theaters, the action, the excitement was between 7th and 8th. In between the theaters were hot dog stands and pinball arcades and stores, clothing stores, Army Navy stores, but mostly what there were uh, called back then uh, backdate magazine stores, stores that sold old issues of life and look and time, and of course, adult paperback, uh, nudist magazines, and even some adult books. Very much the prototype of today's porno shops. And the theaters were embellished with elaborate displays out front. In addition to the Garris one sheets and photos, a little plywood arch was erected along the sides of the lobby and above the entrance to it. So you saw a collage of stills promising sex and violence, some with painted blood added and cleavage with black tape covering the nipples. You had to enter that archway to buy tickets and enter the theater. It was more like a carnival tent than a movie theater. So I thought I thought that was kind of a cool just thinking of that atmosphere. And then I uh, have this, um, uh, you know, the double features were a big thing in these Grindhouse theaters. There's a magazine I, I have uh, several issues of. It's called Grindhouse Purgatory. Uh, it's put out by this uh, 42nd Street Pete, um, who you see all over the place uh, when it comes to these sort of Grindhouse and, and adult films. Uh, he's big in that in, in, in that venue. Uh, this is from issue 13, and it talks about the double features and just real quick um the author of this is you know saying about he grew up at, and he went to these um these double features and talking about you know how the formula was if a new movie came out they would pair it with an older proven film just to br bring the audience in and he goes case in point would be pieces from 1982 it was paired with the hills have eyes you know the west craven film why, you might ask, simple. Hills blew people away when it came out, and people would still pay to see it again. If Pieces sucked, which it didn't, uh, and that's the author editorializing saying, which it didn't. That's not me throwing that in there. Uh, but I am a fan of Pieces as well. Uh, people wouldn't feel ripped off as they got to see Hills again. Now, some intrepid soul actually compiled a list of films from 1978 to 1993 that played on 42nd Street. 
And I'm just going to go through. There's there's hundreds and hundreds of double features this year. I'm just going to go a few. I have st- I put notes next to a few of them just to mention them, just because I thought they're very interesting pairings of films. Um, and this is 1978 Times Square, Tinateria from 1977 with Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. That's a Jaws ripoff with Sam Peckinpah. Uh, the Sin of 42, George Romero's Martin with Dario Argento Suspiria. It's an interesting double feature there. At the Selwyn, the Toolbox Murders with Dolomite. Um, going to 1979 at the Sin of 42, The Exorcist was paired with Cleopatra Jones. 1980 at the Liberty, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes with Return of the Pink Panther. It's an interesting double feature. Here, th- th- This is where it gets even stranger. At the Harris, the Gong Show movie was paired with Jaws. <laughs> that That's a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. At the Selwyn, Ordinary People, which won the Oscar for Best Picture in 1980, was paired with Stone Cold Dead, then Oscar winner with a Canadian slasher film. Love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Times Square, again, uh, Cheerleaders Wild Weekend with uh, Carnivorous. So it was a cheerleader movie and a Rogerio Diodato cannibal film. At the Lyric, Meet Cleaver Massacre with Nazi Love Camp 27. Uh, I think I highlighted that one because I haven't seen either of those, and those titles make me want to see both. Uh, just a few more here. The Harris had Crocodile and Humanoids from the Deep. That's a cool one. That one I would have liked to see. Um, the Selwyn had... This is a very strange one. Try and figure this one out. The Selwyn had the 1953 film Vincent Price's House of Wax with the 1981 Michael Caine film The Hand. Yeah, I saw that. It's funny because Joel always makes fun of me about the movies that I've watched, right? The weird <laughs> right? combination. And that's <laughs> mm-hmm. because of things like that. In Queens, every <laughs> borough had their theaters, but in, 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 in Queens, they would do the same thing. They would pair different movies together. It had no rhyme or reason why these movies were paired together. <laughs> and that's why my growing up, I have watched the weirdest pairs of movies i've right i've covered so many genres they've mixed love stories teen love dramas with horror movies and and uh uh you know like all types of of genres were mixed together in these theaters you pay this five dollars i think it was like five dollars you pay Mm -hmm. and you can watch like three movies and none of the movies matched each other all of them (laughs) all of them are different genres just a few more here. We have uh, at the Anco, The Burning and Friday Foster, which is a Pam Greer movie, a really good Pam Greer mm-hmm. movie, actually. The Sin of 42 had Creep Show with Enter the Dragon, the Bruce yes, Lee film. That was, yep. So that, that's awesome. Too. Yeah. At the Harris, Airplane 2 with Alien. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that at the Anco, Joysticks and Humongous. Now, this one really <laughs> stuck out of me at the Lyric. War Games, the 1983 Matthew Broderick film with William Lustig's Maniac from 1980. Yep. A PG, yeah. like family film. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow, that's a that's something. That's how you saw a movie. And there and there are hundreds and hundreds of others list, listed here, making yeah. even less sense than some of the ones that I went into here. But um, it looks like it would be a good time. I'll be honest with you. I, I would I would actually like to see War Games and Maniac as a double feature. That could be very interesting. That's one thing missing with kids now. I mean, that, I know this is the old man time. That is one thing that I, that is missing with people not watching very genres of films is because right. they stopped doing that. They don't, yeah. they, these kind of films, these kind of movie theaters were just totally 
uh, ran out of business and, and turned into multiplex. So now people don't watch these kind of films right. until they get older or, you know, maybe we watch it online or whatever. But I think it forced you to watch different types of movies. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I agree with that. And and drive-ins were a similar thing, you know, the, right. just these yep. pairings of films. Three that, the hard way. I, I remember watching that. Me and my cousin, my mother took us three the hard way, and I forgot the other movie that we watched <laughs> with it. But it was in a last drive-in in New York for a minute. It was it three the hard way and Pollyanna? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Or old Yeller. Yeah, or old Yeller. Like yeah, that. yeah, that's what it was. What's crazy is we're going back to that now with the closing of all the movie theaters. And the biggest, yeah. I think, do I have the biggest? Uh, theaters box office wise been drive-ins right yeah that's and and because of that you can't show new movies right so now they're showing all these old combinations of films we're going right back to where it was am i horrible for like not hating that (laughs) (laughs) you're not okay no so do we want to then real quick each say and i'm assuming this note says what movie best personifies the underbelly dirty side of new york city are we saying a non-horror related i was going with horror i mean with my and i mean oh are you going to horror? okay because i could say for me that would actually be taxi driver <laughs> if i've got to yeah. pick one that immediately well, always yeah. makes me feel like especially just with the way that movie ends and just how right yeah right <laughs> i mean with me i was thinking like i said the the new york rippers one but it definitely maniac yeah, um, you know, William Lustig's Maniac, I think, uh, captures for me, uh, sort of personifies what I envision. You know, I've not experienced it, but uh, what I would envision as that sort of underbelly. And um, again, it, like we we're talking, uh, w- w- Daryl, that, that scene in that train platform and in that bathroom i mm-hmm. always go back to that one is just one of the one of the probably one of the most intense scenes, um, not just in that movie, but in, in, in a lot of these these New York based films. Oh, yeah, because you did. Listen, the only time you've ever gone in those bathrooms is if you really were not feeling well, right? Or someone was trying to kill you horribly. You felt like you had no other choice but to go in those bathrooms. So even even if it's not some uh, person chasing you with a knife or a sword ready to kill you, still you feel like there's someone with a sword ready to kill you. Right. uh, When you go into those bathrooms, because I don't care if you go into them in the brightest of day, they still look like that. Wow. So, yeah. Josh, do you have a particular? Yeah. You know, like I haven't said a lot this episode. I, this is kind of like the furthest from my area of expertise we could get. Cause I'm a West coast guy as opposed to the rest of you. So it's like uh, New York was just so far away from me. I think ghostbusters was like my introduction to New York probably. So I, I liked New York on that level, <laughs> but probably just soon after that, I saw after hours, and that made me think, well, I never I'm going to New York for sure. Like I never want to be in this place, <laughs> you know? And so I think, uh, yeah, after hours was really probably the movie more than any other that turned me off to New York when, when, you know, my wife is definitely one of those people that was like, loves the big city. And like, I imagined living in New York. And when we first met, I was just kind of like, have you seen after hours? Cause I, I just can't do that. It's not, <laughs> yeah. but, um, and then probably do the right thing was another film that like yeah. was just one of the first films that i was like okay so this is like how i imagine new york is do the right thing is just kind of like the movie in my mind when i when i think mm-hmm. of new york but um horror wise i guess the movie that i'm most afraid new york would be would probably be the new york ripper that's like my that's like my most horrific version of new york that i kind of imagine so mm-hmm. and uh daryl your real life experience might 
skew it. Yeah, the one that captures the, your real life experience. Probably. Um, well, there were homeless men who turned into bugs. So Chud. <laughs> oh, Chud, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or Mimic, even, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Chud, the thing about Chud is that sadly, you don't, it gets to the point where you see homeless people so much, you stop seeing them. Right. And Chud kind of had that feeling like, did that guy just grow wings and fly away? <laughs> <laughs> there are times in New York where you feel like, did I see what I saw and I didn't see? Maybe I didn't see that because you don't notice them. And that's the dangerous thing, right? Or that yeah. movie right. is that you don't notice them to the point where you wind up uh, not realizing that there's these bugs, things that are <laughs> coming to kill you. Well, it's really only so, dangerous if you actually go down into the sewer. And then, you know, as long as you stay, you know, away from manhole yeah, well, covers, you are. Yeah, right? yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah so that, yeah, that, that movie, it does cover how uh, uh, kind of crazy it could be. But Jacob's Ladder, I think I, I like that movie too, because it mm. does have that kind of feel in New York as well. Uh, when he, you know, when people are coming back, there are a lot of Vietnam vets that are homeless and or going through things in the city, um, yeah. and it it kind of captured that very well. The look of it, the feel of it. Um, again, the those apartments. There's nothing like those New York apartments in the city that you look at that are like little closets that cost you everything to pay for, but they're like little. Little freaking closets cost you your um, soul. Oh my god, dude, dude, <laughs> crazy! Um, but yeah, they're just it's just a, a, a bunch of places where uh, you know Rosemary's Baby, uh, mm-hmm. that right. that kind of neighborhood, that kind of you don't know your neighbors in New York as much as you used to. That kind of look to it, and right. who knew that your neighbors were all Satan worshippers? Who knew that, <laughs> that can happen in New York? And let's be honest; they probably are. They probably are because right. you don't really get together with your neighbors. Like you, it, it is not like that. Because uh, the other thing about New York that uh, changes is that your neighbors can change in a week. Uh, mm. You know, someone can be there, and then the next thing you know, they're moving out <laughs> the next week. Um, because it just doesn't work out or they found someplace better uh, in another borough or something. So your neighbors change so much that uh, there are a whole bunch of movies that get into how you don't know your neighbors here. It's not like suburbia where you know them. You don't know these people that you live next to. That's the other horror movie. There's a lot of lot of those films that were going on uh, that played on those kind of fears of who are your neighbors? You know, and the, and the news used to tell you that too. Like, watch your neighbors. Who are they? What are they doing at night? You know, like uh, there was it was that fear that they would, uh, especially during uh, Halloween and stuff like that, they would throw up those kind of, right? Kind of. Uh, I think Rosemary's Baby captures that perfectly. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Like, who are they? They're too nice. If they're too nice, you question them in New York. Like, why are you saying hi to me in the morning? Why are you saying good morning to me? There's a movie called The Wolf Hour. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I saw it at Sundance uh, like a year and a half ago. It was a Naomi Watts film. And it says, you know, it takes place during the summer of Sam and and the, uh, you know, New York City blackouts. And so I was really looking forward to seeing that. I thought it was going to be a horror film. And mm-hmm. it's really just a film about a woman with like crippling anxiety who can't leave her New York apartment during that summer. But, um, it really communicates that feeling of just being kind of, she's kind of scared of everybody. Right. 
you know, and just like she she has some gentleman callers who come in, and she even thinks they might be the son of Sam, but you know, well, she's got to you know get the business done. I and didn't even know that. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a pretty I, depressing movie. I mean, you know, like slow burn, but it's interesting. It yeah. I, but it so captured a lot. You know, there were a lot of people that moved. Uh, there are a lot of. Uh, teenagers who you know grew up and and when they got to their twenties in their college ages they moved they moved to the city yeah. um, and they went through that right you move they moved to the city and the first thing you tell any anybody if it's your sister your your you know your your daughter you tell them don't talk to anybody yeah <laughs> don't you say anything to anybody don't tell them that, that you live alone that's what daryl told me when i was getting there he said don't, exactly. talk, to don't anybody. talk to anybody don't tell them you live alone any of that <laughs> stuff because you just don't know you don't know your neighbors um and that came out of that i mean that came out of that that time uh, uh of all those things happening so and it's it, it's funny because I, I it reminds me of something i saw and i just found it in june of 1975 a coalition of labor unions mm -hmm. would distribute pamphlets to visitors to new york warning them to stay away yeah good uh, lord which made <laughs> yeah. people want to come even more which is crazy right but yeah. it, it right. excited people to even to, to want to come to new york even more the anti-welcome wagon right yeah if I can survive New York, I can survive any place. That's kind of the yeah the badge of honor people uh, have when they move uh, to New York. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, so I guess that sums up the theme pretty well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, then before we uh, dive into some various film titles that are New York centric, do we uh, have some listener tweets, Josh, that you wanted to? Yeah. Okay. So here are a couple little moments from Dino that he shared that I wanted to read to everybody and we'll get to all the other listener feedback in a minute. But Dino said, I used to work at Madison square garden. I can remember one night after work, it was late, probably around 10 PM. And I was eating some Mexican food down in Penn station after work before heading home. I was listening to horror metropolis episode one and the lead up to the debut episode of horror movie podcast back in late summer, early fall of 2013. It was the midnight movies episode with midnight movie and the midnight meat train. I started that episode down in Penn station during dinner and continued listening to it while I walked home down to the financial district then i ended up watching the midnight meat train when i got home and loved how it captured the city another great new york horror memory was later that year horror movie podcast episode two the haunted houses episode the one where that jason fella rated the country in a 5.5 again it was after work and i was having some pizza from my favorite new york pizza spot new york pizza suprema just across the street from the garden i was listening to that episode while eating and then started walking home on my route through Tribeca there was this one specific block with a bunch of fancy restaurants right across the street from Tribeca Park the restaurants were getting ready to close for the night so they had all their trash from the night in bags on the sidewalk for collection and it was a feast for the rats I was walking along the sidewalk and it was literally like Moses parting the sea except the rats were the water and I was walking through that was not a specific movie reference, but it was a great surreal New York horror memory of mine walking through a sea of rats late at night in New York City while listening to HMP. So thanks, Dino, for sharing wow. those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I put a little tweet out several weeks ago that just said HMP is heading to the city that never sleeps for some nightmare fuel on episode 199. And we want to hear from New Yorkers in the horror community. Reply with your quintessential New York movie. So um, we had some responses here. 
Bloody Cap Jack, aka Red Cap Jack. He says Basket Case. Uh, Ian West, HP Make Lovecraft on Twitter. He says, sending this from the Big Apple. Lots to be chosen from. My top four would be, and then I love he names five. (laughs) (laughs) Basket Case, Maniac, The New York Ripper, Habit, and Ms. 45. Mm. Uh, Ian also says, shout outs to Abel Ferrara. Dressed to Kill, Cue the Winged Serpent, Frankenhooker, and Jason Takes Manhattan, the best poster ever. Yes. Yes, it is. That's a great poster. Um, Eric Yvonne says, the beginning of Last House on the Left always comes to mind when I think of New York-based horror. I kind of wish it stayed there. Eric Yvonne also says, quintessential? No, but if it quacks like a duck, it must be the New York Ripper. Uh, Clarence Diggles says, I lived upstate for a few years, and my favorite New York horror movie is Sleepaway Camp. Maurice Jones <laughs> says, The Addiction, The Transfiguration, yes. and SOB Summer of Blood. So I hadn't heard of that last yeah, one. But Summer of Blood. Yeah. Right. But Dave, you just watched The Addiction recently. I did watch The Addiction recently, and I have to agree, it is uh, incredible. I mean, it's it's Abel Ferrara. It's, I want to say, 95. Yep. It is a black-and-white vampire film. Lily Taylor stars in it, and she has a run-in with a vampire at night uh, and um, is bitten and uh, is scared, is frightened. She sort of plays this withdrawn college uh, graduate student. But it changes her. Obviously, then she becomes much more outgoing and she's going out into the streets and um, has this thirst for blood. But the movie treats it like an addiction. She has this run in with another vampire, not realizing at the time played by Christopher Walken. Uh, Great scene. It's really a great cameo by Christopher Walken. And it kind of goes from there with her trying to deal with what she views as an addiction. And it has a very interesting way of then taking, you know, when you think vampire, you're thinking pure evil. I mean, that's what you sort of get from the movies, whether it's Bella Lugosi or any of them, you get that that this is a monster. But by treating it like an addiction, the movie has to sort of approach it differently. So while she's still a graduate student, um, she's attending a a lecture on the, on the, on the, was it the Millet, uh, Massacre. Massacre. Yeah. During the Vietnam War goes to an exhibit with images of the Holocaust. So it's almost as if they're taking that vampirism isn't the root of evil. And actually, I I wrote a review about this and it's going to be posting on the blog sometime in September. But vampirism isn't the root of evil, but a magnification of an evil already inherent in mankind. And I thought that that was an interesting way to approach it, because if it's an addiction, it can't just be straight up pure evil. But that's what it is. It's taking that this this evil already in man's psyche mm-hmm. and enhancing it and putting a magnifying glass on it. The movie does this and it, it quotes philosophers and everything and yet still has scenes of blood and carnage. Um, and I'm thinking especially towards the end of, of this. I saw a critic actually draw a comparison between the end of the addiction with the end of Miss 45. Really very well done movie. I strongly recommend checking out the addiction. Well, I it wouldn't be surprised if if some of that wasn't affected by the crack epidemic. Hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It, could yeah. Be. it was in the yeah, yeah the nineties. Ninety five for well sure. Be. What did yeah. it do to you? I mean, crack in, intensifies all your strength, your you know mm-hmm. your sex drive, all of that up until it starts to really turn you into a monster because you're so you know you yeah. want that next fix so bad you're you're gonna all of a sudden selling themselves for sex and. Uh, committing violence to you know all that kind of stuff just wow. to get that neck fixed. So it makes sense that it would be in yep. the nineties. Well, and and, uh, and then, I remember when that movie came out because Fangoria covered it, and 
uh, around that, I think that same year, I, somebody mentioned this in one of the tweets, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, the movie Habit. I think that's the one with Larry mm-hmm. Fessenden. Is that yeah. the one with Larry Fessenden? I don't know if which one they were referencing. But. Okay. To Daryl's point, I'm pretty sure them coming out of that time period was meant to be. We were getting, I think, a little bit more of vampirism as metaphor for mm-hmm. you know either AIDS or crack yep. or that kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of books came out of that, too. A lot yeah. of films, a lot of books. Yep. Uh, dealing with that, uh, coming out of that party life, you know, that the, the party scene during that time was like that, you know, with heroin and sharing needles and, and all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So any more tweets, Wolfman? Yeah. The other vampire movie that Maurice mentioned, The Transfiguration, is also it's a really interesting take on vampirism yeah. if people haven't seen it. And it's the one I was thinking of when. Daryl was talking about playing hide and seek like in the New York city streets and buildings. I thought, man, other than like kids, which, you know, you have to give credit for introducing us to Rosario Dawson and Chloe Sevigny. But um, other than kids, you don't really see a lot of movies about little kids in New York and especially horror movies. And that seems like such a gross oversight. Like yeah. it seems like there's so many great stories you could tell in that world. They're the transfiguration is one me. of them. Yeah, there's not a Stand By Me film right. set in New York. Be. They just don't have right. that, no. At IDK Gravity on Twitter says, Honorable mention to I Am Legend. Hmm. At Dave the Author on Twitter says, I always loved I Am Legend for showing an eerily empty New York City. Sir Mar Lamont, he says, Wolfen, which is a great pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Screaming Cinema says, Basket Case. Rob Grundy says Maniac captured the true grittiness and danger of New York in the late 70s, early 80s. Plus, it has one, if not the best head explosions of all time. (laughs) However, the quintessential New York horror community movie in the mainstream has to be Ghostbusters. Uh, The Aqua Slug says Street Trash. Dino says Rosemary's Baby is the best New York City horror film. And then he has three others he wants to give honorable mentions to, not necessarily horror, but a film like Escape from New York deserves to be mentioned as it really captures that great feeling of a dangerous, dirty 80s New York. Another one that is set in New York City, even though it was mostly filmed in Vancouver, that is quintessential 80s New York horror is Jason Takes Manhattan. But probably one of my favorite New York City horror films is Cloverfield. The way it was shot and the way the city was portrayed most closely reflects how I experienced the city when living there. You know, minus the giant deadly monster rampaging all over. So, and I will say, I want to, I want to back up Dino because Escape from New York is one of my all-time favorite movies, and yeah. it's also the uh, theme song is what I had playing on my as my ringtone the entire time I was in New York City. But that's a whole other thing. But I do find it funny <laughs> that two of his honorable mentions, both movies I love, Jason Takes Manhattan and Escape from New York. If I'm not mistaken, neither of them was shot in New York City. <laughs> no. Perfect. No, I think I think Escape from New York was actually shot Cleveland? in St. Louis. Was it Cle- St. Louis? Or St. Maybe St. Louis. It was, it was a place yeah. like that. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, yeah. And then and Vancouver. Probably most New York films are shot in Toronto anyway. Yeah, right? but, yeah. Vancouver or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cloverfield was interesting because it had that. It went back to making characters you don't like. <laughs> People that lived in New York don't like anybody in that Cloverfield movie. <laughs> right. We know them, but we don't like them. We, we know exactly where they there is that selfishness that comes from those from those kind of people uh in the city. Mm-hmm. That whole thing of I live in the city, it's all great, everything's fine, it's about me kind of thing. And we I mean it really made you go like uh like the old 
a Friday the 13th films where you you make the, the teenagers people we don't care about. You, you, it's easy to kill them because we really don't like them anyway. That's kind of right. how Cloverfield is kind of a throwback <laughs> to. We were rooting for them to get, we were rooting for the creatures to get the kid, to get the uh, 20 year old hipsters. And Ms. Midnight on Twitter says the Q, oh, sorry, Q the Winged Serpent, as it's not only set in New York, but made by New York City's own hometown eccentric genius of genre, Larry Cohen. So, yeah, those were the listener responses. Awesome. All right, well, then let's uh, jump into some New York State horror titles. Now, these are not just the grimy ones. These are sort of any movie that we could come up with that are in and or around New York State. So what I'll do is I'll start at the top. I'll start reading them. If you guys want to discuss one, just tell me to stop and we'll or say, hey, or say something and I'll and I'll shut up and you guys can talk. So we've got the seventh victim. 1408. The Addiction, which Dave has already told us about. American Psycho. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a strong. I haven't seen it in a long time. I haven't time, seen it in a long time either, but it's a great a movie. Yeah, it is a it good is. one. Yeah, it is. Coke, <laughs> the, the, the way people were doing Coke back then in the <laughs> yeah. 80s. It was it's, a like hell, it's a hell of a drug, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that, that hyped up. Uh, well, I mean, it still happened. I mean, that young 20-year-old's. 30 year old leaving their office jobs, you know, coming into the city to kind of party in the bars. That still happens. I mean, that's still, that's still going on. And I mean, you know, they want to party all night. It's eat Coke is very easy to get. And, uh, you know, the places to go to, to get it. If, even if you don't do it, you know, the places that have it, it's funny how they try to hide that they have it, but you know, when they go into the bathroom and then everybody comes back out and they start going, <laughs> Everybody's doing this, wiping it away, and you're like, "Yeah, I know what you just did. Like, it's not, it's not a hidden thing." But uh, yeah, (laughs) they captured that uh, that whole New York thing of of feeling like that manic, angry, but I have to hide it. I have to hold it in when I'm at work, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But when it's you know when I'm out out you know when I leave work, all my tendencies come out. You know, all the things I don't have to hide when I'm in the office. That, that kind of comes out of it. I think American Psycho is fantastic because it showed us Bruce Wayne as he probably actually would have been. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> probably. Um, All right. And then uh, let's see. So we move from American Psycho to Angel Heart, the beginning of it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Eventually mm-hmm. goes down to, to New Orleans. But the, the first part said in uh, said in New York. And I love Angel Heart. I yeah. do. That's such a good film. And of course, Amityville Horror. Now, <laughs> We have here in the notes that there have been 17 Amityville movies. I don't oh. doubt it. Yep. Yeah. So with that, I wonder if that has the record because Children of the Corn and Howling don't. I, don't, I think they might just be right at double digits. We've had double digits if you include remakes and everything for for Jason for sure, and technically Halloween. I think we would if you include zombies films and everything else, we're in double digits, but. I mean, Amityville, does it have the record for franchise? Yes. I don't know that any of the ones you mentioned hit 17, no, to be they, honest. They definitely with. didn't. No. Wow. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, I will say, a lot of the Amity films, they just throw the word Amity into whatever they're doing. <laughs> and that's right, fair. Try that's to right. benefit right. off. Like, like they started to do with, with, yeah. yeah, blames the house, and then everybody wants to make movies about it. <laughs> 
it's like it's like what they did with Hellraiser in the middle of that yeah, series. Yeah, that's true. There's they, another one they that just went made on. a yeah. movie and then said, yeah. "Oh, let's put Pinhead in it for yeah. five minutes and call it Hellraiser." Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, a, a movie that we are will be uh, reviewing here shortly: Basket Case and uh, Basket Case Two. I get. I I actually remember loving the sequels. I remember when they. I was. I was. I think they're maybe. I say opening weekend, as in like the weekend they dropped at my video store. I remember getting them, and I was super excited about them. But I have not seen them probably since the early '90s. Like I, I and I really liked them a lot. Uh, Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. That that's a that's a Harryhausen yes. film. A giant a giant dinosaur uh, yep. rampaging through New York. Yeah, pre Godzilla, nice. right? Is it pre Godzilla? Yep. It's pre Godzilla. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, we had the Believers. From '87, it's got Martin Sheen, and it's about a, uh, has voodoo at the center of mm-hmm. it. And it, he lives somewhere else. He comes back to New York after a family tragedy, and his son uh, becomes the focus of a um, a voodoo cult. And it's a very creepy film. And that did come up on our "Killing in the Name of Horror Cult" episodes. Yep. Yeah, I've never seen that one, but I, I always remember the video box and I always wanted to see it. So I, I need to yeah. add it to the ever expanding list. Uh, Black Swan, the Natalie Portman movie, I assume we're referring to yep. there. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Did you like it, Daryl? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my world necessarily, but I, I, did, I did like what they did with that movie. It right? over, I, I think it just got too into it. Like it was just it was just so over the top like so it's self ind- it felt self-indulgent i guess uh, compared to aronofsky's other movies i, I don't know if i, I can i was about say to that. say in an aronofsky <laughs> film what <laughs> i know right that's just what he does i don't know what i thought otherwise i, I think it's maybe his most restrained film <laughs> it is restrained compared to the others it's compared to like mother or something holy jeez oh mother was a uh, Oh my! So so back on track to our list. (laughs) Well, Requiem for a Dream—that's New York, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's horrific. That's damn near a horror film. Requiem for Requiem for a Dream. That is the best that you want to show kids who uh, think it's cool to dabble in drugs. Show them that movie. Oh yeah, Yeah. make them watch it all the way to the end because it makes it look cool in the first five fifteen minutes, and then and then you know what, Daryl. And then it leads to the t- next title we're covering, Brain Damage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I love. That I, I definitely concluded that Hennen Lauder is somebody that I have a, a deep appreciation for. I, I've watched him in interviews. I find him very entertaining. And I have like a little quick side Hennen Lauder story that I'll save till we do the basket case review. But uh, Brain Damage, I hadn't seen it in a long time. I remember seeing it. I believe, if I'm not mistaken that the novelization for brain damage was written by uncle bob martin who was the original editor for fangoria Hmm. and uh i and of course the fact that zachary one of one of the great original horror hosts is the voice of uh almer i believe that's the the little alien slug thing that's on the back of uh yeah the the hero's head (laughs) uh yeah it's a wacky wacky movie and it is probably an acquired taste but I, i i do have a real appreciation for that movie and that was my feature review on the episode that was Joel's. This is when I knew Joel was going to be a great fit for the show. When his first episode was Tiny Terrors in the same year that we had already reviewed the Puppet Master and Leprechaun franchise. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, brain damage. That was a fun. That was a fun one. Notice how quiet Daryl was during that comment. 
Yeah, because we separate through those movies you pick for us. I yes. know, I know. <laughs> uh, next up is one of my secret shames, a movie I have not seen yet, but I will, Pastor Matt. I know you're going to be calling me out soon <laughs> on your shows. The Burning. Yep. Which Good I guess one. is that, that I always thought that took place at a camp, but I'm guessing it's like upstate New York kind of thing, right? Upstate New York, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's classic. It's got a Jason my Alexander. favorite New Yorker, George Costanza's in it. Yeah, yeah right. Yep. <laughs> but um, also, it's uh, I think we covered that on our '80s slasher coverage for yes, sure. Yes, I'm did. sure you we did. had to. You did. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Chud, which I also love deeply. Oh, Chud is so cool. Yeah, such mm-hmm. such a. I watched it again recently, and I I love it. Uh, Daniel Stern. Plays what is it a reverend of at a, a reverend quote unquote at a soup kitchen, uh, really gives a strong performance in that. I thought the whole cast was good in the film, but he's really strong as as this uh, as this reverend. But then when it gets down, I love it that they don't they sort of give you glimpses of the creatures early on. It's it's men in suits type creatures. But then by the time you see more of them, you know, you could think, oh, they look kind of goofy, but you're invested in the story. You're invested in the characters. So they don't. It's like humanoids from the deep in that way, where you're invested in the story and everything. So you're accepting these creatures. You know, you know, they're guys running around in suits, but you don't care. And and I I really do. I love Chud. I absolutely love it. I haven't I haven't seen the sequel. I was yet, about though. to say I like Chud so much. I have and I like the sequel. It is not a great movie. I will no. tell you right now, this is a movie no. that would might, if I ever do it on Retro Movie Geek, Daryl might quit. Now, that, but it has the great. <laughs> I stayed for the dolphin, so that's, that's true. That's, that's true. You did do that. But the it, to me, Chud Two, much like uh, Breakin' Two, has a fantastic subtitle. Chud Two has a great one. Chud Two, Bud the Chud, <laughs> which yeah, wow, is awesome. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then we have Cannibal Holocaust, the opening sequence. We already mentioned Cannibal Holocaust. Not yep. my cup of tea. I think we've established right, that. Right, right. Uh, Cat People, the original, which I have seen. I have never seen the 82 version. Oh, it's it, uh, Paul Schaefer? Schrader. Schrader. Paul yep. Schrader yep. directed Paul Schaefer, the guy from <laughs> Letterman. David Letterman. Paul, Paul Schrader directed that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Paul Schrader directed that Cat People. I think it was Malcolm McDowell and Natasha Kinski. Yes. In that. That's a, that's yeah, a good I one. I, it I came out. I remember yeah. that. I, I like it. Um, the first one, I mean, the original is a classic. I, yeah. I, I absolutely love the original Cat People. Oh, the it, first one's fantastic. Val Luton. Not as hot yep. as the second. No. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. No. The 82 version definitely sucks things up in a in a perfectly grimy way like we're talking about. So. Yeah. Right. So next up is a movie that uh, Daryl has established he would actually uh, contribute to the deaths of uh, Manhattanites, and that would be Cloverfield. So. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, Colossal, and that's and now I'm assuming is that the one with um, oh I'm a brain Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Thank you, Anne yeah. Hathaway. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's a stretch to call that a horror movie, and it's a yeah, stretch. Really. It's a, it's a kaiju movie, and it's a stretch to call it a kaiju movie because it's really like a dramedy right. in a small town. But, but Anne Hathaway leaves, leaves the big city and goes back to her hometown and realizes she has the ability to control giant mecha robots and kaiju in another country. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's one of those so it's it's a, you know, a typical it's typical typical totally, right. totally typical uh next up we have cruising which i believe is the william friedkin uh al pacino movie right oh yeah yeah yep. i mean that is not also not exactly a horror movie and it's not problematic either. by today's yeah. standards but it is a one hell of a weird movie i mean it's a must-see movie i think for cinephile it's dipped in like sprinkles in new york like it's in there new york is totally yeah. in that movie it's just mm-hmm. the way that they deal with certain subjects yeah. are are yes are problematic 
And I was trying to remember, I don't know if you guys saw the James Franco experiment that he did with that I movie. I heard about was, it. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. I didn't see it either. No. I own it, and I watched it, but I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> but it's worth checking out. Watch. It sounds like a scene name. It's like Interior Leather Bar, something like that. That's it. Okay. That's exactly it, yeah. Yeah. Interior Leather Bar. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Next up, we have The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Which is Spike Lee's remake of Ganja and Hess. and. Yep. I think is pretty phenomenal. I mean, it's a downer, <laughs> but it's it's definitely worth checking out. Nice. And then we've got Dark Water. Now, is that the one that was the? Is it a remake? I think in the Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, Jennifer one. Connelly yeah. one. Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that when it came out. I liked it. I did too. Yeah. Yep. Darling, depraved. Now the depraved. I believe you guys wasn't that the Frankenstein. The what? The no. modern. The yeah. modern Frankenstein. Yeah. Tell. Yeah. The yeah. Modern Frankenstein. Yep. The Darling and Depraved. Those are both Larry Fessenden Glass Eye Picks films. But, okay. Yeah. A lot of his movies are in New York, as you can imagine. Sure. Yeah. And then The Devil's Advocate. I remember. I think I was working in the movie theater when that came out. That and uh, Two Days in the Valley are the ones that introduced me to Charlize Theron. This also was that uh, the seduction. What brings people to New York? Uh, to, to kind of live their dreams. Like when you come to New York and you, li- once you work in the city and you become part of the city, it's that it, it's almost like the city is Dracula and it seduces you at that kind of, there's, there's quite a bit of films that do that where they, where the city life kind of is the thing that, you know, you, you lose all your, all the things that make you good. When you leave the suburban life, you come to New York and, and 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 pretty much Satan comes and takes your soul. So basically, that's you start off as wholesome that. Keanu Reeves, yes, and you become Sa- Sa- Satan Al Pacino. Yeah, it it is it is such a this is pretty much the movie that parents look at and go, I don't want you to ever move. You know, when their <laughs> kids get out of college and they want to get a job in the city, in in Manhattan, they're like, I don't want you to ever go there. This is, this is what will happen <laughs> to you if you do. They'll take your soul. Yeah. All right. Next up, Devil Town. So Devil Town is the title of my favorite Daniel Johnston song, but also um, <laughs> so Sophia Tikal, who did the Black Christmas remake, the much beloved Black Christmas remake <laughs> that everyone was just head over heels about last year. Um, this was a film that she directed under a pseudonym, and it was a remake of The Seventh Victim, the first movie on our list tonight. Oh, okay. And it was like kind of like a mumblecore take on that. It's a cult film. It's pretty good. Um, she directed it under a pseudonym, Harvey Mitkus, never released it. And then for like a week, when quarantine started, just for s*** and giggles, she decided, I'm going to put this on Vimeo and anybody can watch it who wants to. And I caught it during that period. Oh. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh, very nice. cool. Uh, next up is a movie we covered not so very long ago on Richard Movie Geek called Dressed to Kill, the De Palma yeah. film. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Uh, yeah. Again, someone who loves that the smut of New York is what he loves. He would, oh boy, he does he ever wrap <laughs> yes. his films all in it. He loves it. <laughs> sex in a taxi cab. All I'm thinking about when I watched that movie was how dirty ca- taxi oh, cabs are. Yeah. And I can't <laughs> believe you did that in there. Like that's, just, that's nasty. Yeah. So the driller killer that's next up. I actually started this. I was going to try to watch it cause I had never seen it and I was going to try to watch it, but I didn't get to it in time. So I, I've seen like the first mm. 10 minutes of it, but yeah. uh, this is Abel Ferreira's first film, right? First film, yeah, low budget, but definitely gives you that that sort of uh, the underbelly of New York. And then End of Days, the Schwarzenegger vehicle, which yep. I actually remember liking when it came out. Yeah, I, yep. I mean, I don't, I, you know what, it's funny. I've, I've seen that movie and I've liked that movie, but I never really think about it as being a New York movie. It's just, hmm. Hmm. 
It's just a devil movie. I, I just, <laughs> right. that. It's just Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to save the world from the devil. It was one of those we got the in that Y2K period, right? That yeah. was yeah. yeah. Uh, Eyes of Laura Mars, which I believe was written by Carpenter. Yep. Yeah. I, that was the one I was going to feature review tonight, but I just figured this is going to be a massive show and I'm already doing screaming online. But and I also think I talked about this when we did our top 10 of the 1970s. You yes, did. you did. did. This was, yep. yes, you did. Yep. But man, I, I just love this movie. It's a weird one. It's not going to work for everybody, but this is the film that got Irvin Kirshner Empire Strikes Back. You've got little roles from Brad Dourif. Faye Dunaway is amazing in it. Kind of like yeah. kind of introducing Tommy Lee Jones and he ad libs like some probably the best dialogue in the film is ad-libbed by Tommy Lee Jones. And it's just a gem of a little movie that I love. Well, before right. I knew how much you loved it, I actually gamma Daryl, uh, our, our good friend who's been oh, on really? retro geek many times told me several times that I need to see it. So it's on my list as well. So uh, okay. one day, one okay. day we'll get there. Yep. Nice. Uh, a movie that I know I know Dave is as happy as I am. That's on. It's on here, and that would be The Exorcist Two, The Heretic. You know what? This is I, even grimy New York should sue to have their their city removed from this film. Yeah. This is that's such the one a, where she spins in a circle and 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 knocks yeah. the bugs out of the air. Yeah, bugs. It's got bugs. It's got yes. Richard Burton as the yes. priest. Yes, like, uh, what's happening? What am this, I? Uh, uh, I have I no idea. Finally, seeing it after you know, like the because I watched uh, uh, the Exodus one at a time when I should not have as a child. <laughs> Me too. And then <laughs> finally seeing they finally put Exodus two on TV. Finally, <sighs> like it's finally on, and then I go to watch it, and it's one of those things where you couldn't go look things up ahead of time <laughs> to see if it was trash or not. Right. So you right. just watched it, and I was so excited to see it, and then. You There's weren't nothing like being that disappointed when yeah. you watched an entire yes. movie and you're like, what did I just watch? You know what, Dave? Right. I, I told Dave before we started, I don't know that I've ever finished it because it's so god awful. Oh, I but, did. But you know, I here's the thing. I, I did too. As you guys were talking about the bugs, I remember all, and I think the whole like the bugs thing did that happen towards the end. So I may, yeah, I yeah, may have seen the whole the thing, end, yeah. but I have blocked it out as some sort of oh, traumatic God, event. In a circle, and she's like throwing these like stick or something. Uh, it's so horrible. It, 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 shaman, I think it's like a shaman yes. or something comes yep. into it. And it, I, it's been a long time, but Pre yeah. pretend it doesn't exist. Go right from the exorcist to exorcist three. Yes, yes absolutely. That's pretty much the safer yep. bet. To uh, and then uh, next up, let's just keep listening. Even spending more time talking about it. Next up, we have uh fatal attraction where we learned. I will not be ignored, Dan. <laughs> I got to say though, How to cook I rabbit. love Fail attraction captures that kind of uh, you're around sexy people all the time. Manhattan is full of people who are attractive, right? You're all dressed up. You're coming from work. You, like it, it did kind of capture that thing, and and it can go pretty wrong when you're cheating. <laughs> pretty pretty quick. Yes, pretty quick. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I when I heard what the alternate ending to that movie was where uh as mild spoiler alert the the wife uh takes them both out let's just put it that yeah. way i was like yeah. i would have much rather seen that ending because i couldn't stand his butt oh I, i'm sorry not to be a judgy mcjudgerson but god how he bring, he brings it all into his he's the reason why he's yeah. the he's the villain Listen, how dare ah, you dude. treat the man who just wanted to cheat on his wife for a while while she's yeah away. his wonderful wife who did nothing to him who he, he supposedly is in love with yeah I, that movie drives me nuts right, let's move on it's a good movie but it, it annoys me it's crazy that his wife is hotter than the person he cheated on right yeah but, you know 
<laughs> so next up, we have another Hannon Lauder film, which I have not seen in a very long time. But I do mm. remember that I think the VHS box, you could push on some of them. They would talk and say, want a date? <laughs> it's called Frankenhooker. <laughs> Frank Frankenhooker. Yes. Such a interesting movie. Yes. <laughs> I got get interesting. Accident, his his, his fiance is accidentally run over by a lawnmower. And instead of just like, I guess he has to sort of put her together. So he brings in prostitutes and picks the best uh, body parts of each one of them to build her back. Yeah, definitely a Frank Henenlotter film. Did I send you the Blu-ray for this, Joel? I don't. Did you? I know I got uh, screeners for uh, Frankenhooker and Maniac Cop, and I got sent three of each for some reason. I got Maniac Cop. I had several copies of each of them way back when. Yeah. So Frankenhooker is basically the comedy version of Pieces. Yeah. Right. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Pretty much. Okay. Uh, next up, a movie that, look, I understand... It's the CND talking, and I do not care. <laughs> I like Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. I bet you do. <laughs> A.K.A. Jason Takes the Boat Ride. He does. Yeah. And, yeah, right. and, and, and Josh, <laughs> I, will, I will die on the hill, my friend, with you. That, that poster, the original poster, so good. is so good. Mm -hmm. Yes, so the poster is yeah, good. That's yeah. the movie where you go, hey man, you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it also has I, the moment of him kicking the boombox in Times Square is just like an all time great horror movie moment. I you mean in Vancouver? Yeah, you mean Times Square? It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> they, they wanted to shoot a lot more in New York and they cut the budget. They said, no, we're not going to give you the money to do that. So that's kind of why I, I, the movie is, doesn't take place as much in New York uh, as it does on the boat. But um, I'm coming around to it. You know, I, it's, it's still not uh, it wouldn't make my top five, but I'm coming around to it. The, the, the scene with the captain and the, the first mate on the ship and then what ultimately happens kind of struck me as one of the more memorable kills yeah, in a Friday the 13th. It, uh, uh, Friday the 13th, Jason uh, stops by New York. <laughs> stops yeah, by. Yeah. right. Yeah. Jason, sure Jason, leave. Jason. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he, and he does stuff that Jason never would have done, yeah. like walk past hundreds of people and. <laughs> well, they weren't doing naughty business, Dave. So, of course, well, he, why would he bother? That, that, how does he well, know? How, how does he know? He just got there. It would be great if like, he had gone on like 42nd. <laughs> and he just like like you just see him like almost I don't know how I don't know how you demonstrably show Jason showing like ecstasy at what he gets to do to when he sees all these people just being total hedonists. <laughs> it would have been like it would have been like Cloverfield. Yeah, it yeah. would have been. Just, yeah, right. <laughs> I want him to just be huffing like I can't kill any more people. Oh, this is gonna be amazing. <laughs> now the next movie on our list. Uh, we, I guess we have a question mark if it takes place in New York. So if it does, I'm assuming it's another one of these upstate New York situations. It's a movie I love, but I didn't ever think of it in the New York sense. So if anybody knows, let me know. It's Get Out. I thought it was just upstate. Get That's Out. I, is Get Out take place in upstate New York? I, I thought it did. Okay. I'm not, wrong. I'm not 100% I be wrong. sure. I thought I did. I'm I not sure. I mean, I, they definitely start in a city. And yeah. Kinda, it feels like upstate New York, although it's shot in Georgia. But yeah. That's still a great movie. We mentioned it. There you go. Uh, next right. up, Ghostbusters. Yeah, New York, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah, Ghostbusters okay, cool. 1, 2, and I. It does 2016. I'm assuming that takes place in New York as well. It does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I assume. Have you not seen it, Joel? I, I have not. It is not because of some political stance. Believe me, I just never got to <laughs> why, it. Why do you hate women, Joel? Oh, yeah. There, I, boy, <laughs> yeah, I was Joel. waiting for that one. <laughs> no, it's not. I just legit never got around to it. 
Dude, your kids would love that movie. Okay. I'm telling you. All right. I, yeah. I will put it on. They haven't seen it. Look, hey, full disclosure, my kids haven't seen part two yet either. So there you go. Oh, okay. So this is, this is definitely, yeah, I know. I, now Daryl's actually shocked. Is there a big deal? Like, what's the big They've only seen the first one one time. And it's not because, I mean, I love Ghostbusters. They just, you know. Oh. Yeah. Here's something like, interesting, though. This, I guess now that I think about it, this new Ghostbusters Afterlife will be the first Ghostbusters movie that's not totally tied to the DNA of New York City. That's it's true. Like, yeah, it should have a totally different yeah. vibe. Totally different vibe. And I think, honestly, well, not to take us down this rabbit hole, I'm glad because I feel like that. I, I realize that New York Ghostbusters has that New York vibe to it. But if they're going to do something different, I'm glad they're just going completely different. So um, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, God Me Told too. Me Too. That's a Cohen, a Larry Cohen. Yep. Movie. Uh, Godzilla 98 and uh, 2004, both New York based, or as my children have informed me, Godzilla 98 is actually, that's just Zilla. That's not really Godzilla. Okay. <laughs> they, they get very uh, snooty about that. It's a less, it's a lesser Zilla. Yes, yes. They, they've, they've come around to the design, but they sort of treat it as if it's its own thing. Apparently within the lore and in the canon of Godzilla uh, kaiju things, it's, you know, that, that's a whole thing. That's it, out of my league. It's above my pay grade. All right. Uh, Gremlins to the new batch, which I have not seen in a long time, but I love that movie. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. Darryl? It's been a while, but yeah. <laughs> Daryl, shock me. Tell me you actually like Gremlins 2. I can't. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> okay. You're too honest. <laughs> you're too, you're have you guys too... ever seen the um, Key and Peele skit where Jordan Peele's yes. pitching yes. Gremlins 2? <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. And I, and I'm sure that's how it happened. <laughs> it's probably exactly how it happened. <laughs> Uh, Hellboy 1 and 2 uh, I'm going to say something con- well gone controversial in my own head I appreciate the Hellboy movies they just aren't my thing I just eh they're okay I'm not really a fan of the Hellboy movies maybe it's probably my fault because I, I know the source material I've read that yeah, see, that's, I don't have that excuse I just I, I liked them I went and saw them I was like okay I just yeah. didn't care for I, the yeah. first one I just didn't care for the guy that they put as the focus instead of they took the focus away from from Ron the Perlman's and, and I love and I love Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Let me make sure yeah. I state that. Yeah, he's great as Hellboy, yeah. but he yeah. I, yeah, I didn't like how they just kind of took away from him to to show some other character that no yeah. one cares about in the beginning. Well, Abe Sapien was cool though too. Yes, but, yep, yeah, the Doug Jones yep. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's great. Um, what did you th- did you like the new one better, Daryl? No, it's horrible. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, no fault of the actors involved. It's it's just a it's just a all over the place movie. Yeah, it, it is. It's a mess. Uh, the Hunger, The Hunger, a uh, Tony Scott movie with David Bowie, and why am I brain farting on the female lead? Yeah, Catherine Deneuve. Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, hypothermia. That's a Larry Cohen. I'm not a Larry Cohen. A Larry Fessenden film. Okay. Okay. I Am Legend, which we will be getting a review of later, which of course is the third uh, version based uh, on the book by Richard Matheson. Yes. I Drank Your Blood. It's a set up. I want to say more upstate. It's Mm -hmm. not set in the city. I don't know. I like I Drink Your Blood. It's a a kid infects a group of uh, hippies by um, injecting their meat pies with rabies. Oh, that's right. I remember you reviewing that one. Yeah. 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 Crazy film. A movie that we've got to at some point get Josh to watch in the mouth of madness. Yes. I know this is all big setup and I'll never watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Inferno, the Argento film. She says shot in Italy, but set in New York. Yep. Jacob's Ladder, which we mentioned earlier. Joshua. Yep. It's good. Joshua's good. Yep. King Kong. I guess we could say most versions. 
pretty much every version. It has some mistaken, New York yeah. element to it. Yep. Uh, the, the last, the original, the last movie I saw in an actual movie theater. Uh, let's see. Wow. Last House on the Left was mentioned earlier. It has a it has some New York set scenes. Yep. Late Phases. Late Phases is another one I think that has New York. Uh, it's it may takes place in maybe in the suburbs of New York. I, I want to. That's the the werewolf film with um, Nick Gamacy from um, from Stakeland and right. uh, and um, Ethan Embry. Ethan Embry, yes, it's a good movie. I'll tell you, it's it's a really good movie. It takes place in a in a suburban uh, neighborhood, and Nick Gamacy is blind and trying to figure out you know where this werewolf is coming from. Uh, really good film. I find the werewolf design in this movie unbearable, though. It's just really? laughable to me. I couldn't even look at it. Hmm. Well, it's something we can look at because I'm a fan. Little Shop of Horrors. Both the 60 version yes. and the 86 version, though I prefer the 86 version. 86 version is so much fun. One of my few musicals that I love. Oh, it's awesome. I know our friend of the show, Chris Peck, over the director of Better Watch Out. This is his favorite movie of all time is Little Shop yep. of Horrors. 86. The, the 86 version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so I, I could probably count on one hand the number of musicals I actually really like, <laughs> and uh, that would be one of them. Uh, Love nice. at First Bite, the George Hamilton movie. I saw this in the theater when I it came too. out. Yeah. yeah, and it's a fun movie. What, one of the things I think I remember most about it is it had both of the Jeffersons in it, yeah. both uh, George and Wheezy in different scenes. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's a fun uh, vampire comedy. George Hamilton does a good job uh, playing uh, the Count in that one. Uh, Maniac from 1980, which is currently available on Shutter, and Maniac Cop 1 through 3, which are currently available on Shutter. Obviously, we'll get into those in a little bit. And then Massage Parlor Murders, which sounds like it could be uh, dirty or scary. <laughs> uh, Midnight Meat Train, based on the Clive Barker story. And this is another one that, to, to what Daryl was saying about the subway when you ride it at night. Yeah. Mimic one and two. Uh, Mimic. I, I was a big fan of Mimic because we did Mimic on Retro Movie Geek, right, Daryl? Yeah, we did. Yeah. So yeah. Mimic, and I know on that when whichever episode that was, if you if you're so inclined to go find that one, I believe we talked a little bit about the sequels because there was actually two sequels, but I think the third one is not in New York City. I don't know for sure about that, but I don't think it is. It's been a long time. I saw it when it came out on video for and the first. We're old. And we're old. Yeah, that's, that's our go-to excuse for everything. Uh, Ms. 45, which is a movie I was also on the fence about watching because I'd never seen but heard a lot about. But if I'm not mistaken, it kind of falls in that rape revenge bucket, right? It does, definitely. And, and, and I yep. don't know if it's quite on the level of like a spit on your grave or anything like that, but I've heard it's pretty jacked up. So how's like, eh. Let's put it this way. There's a lot more. Yes. Uh, the, the very beginning, uh, towards the beginning of the film is very tough to watch, but this one features a lot more revenge than it does. Okay. Well then maybe I'll be down right. for that. I, I, yeah. I prefer the, I'm cool with the revenge part. <laughs> yeah. These, I think after death wish that pretty much, uh, 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 broke something in me. I cannot, I have a hard time with these, with these movies. Well, the, 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 the rape revenge type thing. Yeah, yeah. I have a hard time yeah. getting, getting through these. So many people growing up, I remember like, oh, horror movies will make you this, they'll make you that, they'll do these horrible things. Certain movies I saw way too young, uh, I spit in your grave, last house on the left, I'm looking at you. They had the exact opposite effect because to this day, I have a really difficult time. I mean, I feel like, okay, that sounds reasonable that you'd have a difficult time sitting through that stuff. But I mean, I just unusually difficult time uh yeah, sitting back the bed. i watched all that I yeah i remember, oh, you remember that with fair faucet yep yeah, yeah it was a big deal on tv oh yeah yes it was uh mulberry street 
is is the next movie which i am not familiar with at all it's another nick demisi film same yep. actor from life phases and the star of stake land and the same director as stake land oh, okay. jim mickle all right cool yep and it's about where rats oh well that's cool i'm yeah. always down for oh, killer like rats that. yeah i do i love hey Tiny tears, man. Are they tiny or do they, or do they go <laughs> well, graveyard shift? I wouldn't say they're particularly tiny. No. Okay. No. Let one of those walk right by you late at night when you're walking. And it stairs. won't seem so tiny. Okay. <laughs> no. We've, we've already <laughs> talked about the New York Ripper, the Fulci film, and, yep. and the Poughkeepsie tapes, which that's a found footage film, correct? Yes. And Q the Winged Serpent, we've mentioned already. I, lo- I love that. I yeah. love Q the Winged yeah. Serpent. Yeah. Uh, a Perfect Murder. That is the Michael Douglas remake of Dial M for Murder. Yeah, that's right. I think it's fantastic. I think it's super underrated. I mean, it's hard to remake a Hitchcock film and have it be watchable, but I just, I really liked the. You know, I'm not sure if I saw that. I feel like I did, and I don't, and I feel like I liked it, but I'm just, I don't have in front of me anything to like use anything as a reference point. I feel like I did see it. It's been since DVDs came out that I've seen it, so maybe don't quote me on that, but I feel like I remember really enjoying it. Yeah, I I remember when it came out. That's why I I just, I feel like I must have seen it, but uh, we're moving on. A Quiet Place, which I'm guessing that's more of a upstate New York. Yeah, and they have already shot the second movie in upstate New York. I know Maurice Jones, one of our listeners, is from around that area, and he went and took pictures from the set of the second film. It hasn't come out yet, but you know, hey, it's it's shot. Uh, (laughs) It's so uh, a video. I, yeah, me. we'll see. Uh, raw meat, also known as Deathline. We alluded to that earlier. Animals yep. in the subway. Yep. Yep. Rekill. It's another one. Uh, and then we've got Resident Evil Retribution. I guess it says New York Simulation. I've only seen, I think, the first Resident Evil movie, so I am not one to ask about any of the sequels. I think they technically take place in Raccoon City, but in yeah, but it's all like uh, computer uh, simulations in her head. Ah, right, gotcha. Going through, that's why. Okay, Rosemary's Baby. We mentioned that earlier. It's a, okay. I don't, it goes without saying that that movie, uh, The Sentinel. It's another. That's a, I feel like that might be another one that would fall into what Daryl was talking about about the whole you know can't trust your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen that in so long, but I really want to check it out again because yeah. a lot of people have been, t- even recently, a lot of people have brought that film up. Yeah, it feels like it's uh, been coming up a lot lately, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, Sisters, the De Palma film. Good one. I've never seen that. Yeah. And isn't that the one with uh, Lois Lane, Black Christmas? Yes. Uh, it, it, Margot, Margot Kidder. Kidder. There it's, it is. <laughs> it's, it's got Margot Kidder. Um, I don't want to give too much away. It's worth it's worth seeing. It's worth checking out. And Jennifer Salt plays a part in it as well. Very cool. And then we've got Sleepy Hollow, the Tim Burton movie, uh, which Upstate. obviously Sleepy Hollow, New York. And I love that movie. I do, too. Well, that New too. York is kind of, you know, I, I, I wasn't there. Yeah, that. that was not a part of New York. You're familiar. <laughs> I just love how I, I don't know. There's just just something about the movie visually. It's just so beautiful. It's so Tim Burton, but it, it just I think it's great. Uh, Soylent Green. The most famous line from Soylent Green is a spoiler. Yeah, you can't say the, you cannot say <laughs> the most famous line. Exactly. Uh, Spiders 3D, I guess, is a sci fi or a sci depending on how you want to say it, type movie from 2013. Uh, Stag which again sounds like it might be dirty. I don't know. Uh, Stakeland 1 and 2, 
which I've not seen two yet. I did see one. And I, I like. I haven't. I, I'm a, such a big fan of the first one. Yeah, I, it's really okay. I don't think it lives up to the first one, but it's a fine addition to it. And I, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's just a post-apocalyptic vampire movie that feels probably more like a zombie movie. But basically, they're in upstate New York and they're kind of trying to make their way. It feels like they're trying to make their way to Canada. You, they never actually say that, but they're, it's kind of like a, a safe land, like a promised land type place they're trying to get to. Daryl, did you see Stakeland? I think I did. Well, if you haven't, I think you should see it. I think you'd like it. I think I only saw one. I think I only saw okay. the Okay, well, if you haven't seen it, if I look, I look it up later, because I just I think you might like that one. I'm trying to think if I did. Because oh, I know you're, you also are a Walking Dead aficionado, and I guess because to Josh's point, it has a vibe like that, so... Um, Street Trash, which we will get to here in a little bit. Sub Hysteria, uh, Summer of Blood, also known as SOB, a movie mm-hmm. that both Dave and I had the same reaction when we originally just saw it as SOB and thought, why are we talking about a Blake Edwards comedy? <laughs> <Yes, laughs> right. I'm not sure what's happening. Uh, Summer of Sam. Summer of Sam is just a terrific movie, though. Yeah, it, is. it really is. You know, I've never seen that one. Does that fall in our 20 year retro movie geek know. standard? Daryl, it, it would now. I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure okay. it's late nineties. I never saw yeah. that, and I always wanted to see. I don't know. I don't know why. I ain't got a reason. Um, I always wanted to see it, and uh, it's because Mira Servino's in it, right? Yeah, she is in it. Mira, Sir, yep, she is. Yeah, always yeah. wanted to see it. Never did. Never seen it before. Uh, 1999. Okay, there you go, Peter. If you're listening, add it to the list. All right. <laughs> it has uh, Adrian Brody as a uh, Italian wannabe British punk, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, that is, yes. that is kind of funny. All right. The Transfiguration, which was mentioned earlier, the vampire film. Uh, vampire in Brooklyn, Wes Craven's movie he did right before I like Scream. I know it didn't do well and people don't like it, but I like that movie. We got to do that one, too, because I've only ever seen bits and pieces of it. I never watched it's, it from beginning to end. It's way better than it gets credit for, you know. Angela Bassett can do no wrong. That's She's true. That's true. Yeah. No, that's a, that yeah. is actually a true statement, a factual statement. Uh, let's see, Vampire's Kiss, the classic uh, Nicolas Cage eats cockroach movie. That was fun. That is the weird. <laughs> what again? It's Nicolas Cage. Yeah, there so. you go. You don't have to say it's a weird. Well, yeah, of course it is. Uh, let's see, we got Wait Until Dark. That is a classic movie. That's a great one. And War of the Worlds. I guess in this case we could say any of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. The because uh, I th- well I know the the Tom Cruise one. Takes- I don't even. Consider that world of worlds. I just consider that bring these idiot kids home because they run off. <laughs> bring these idiot kids home. <laughs> yeah. um, we are still here. Is that the Barbara Crampton? <laughs> yes, that's the upstate yes. New York. Yeah, I finally uh, saw that. I tell you guys, I finally saw because I know how much you guys really liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I liked it as much as you guys liked it because it's I, a good movie. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, but I did like it. Um, let's see here. Wendigo. Which is uh, another kind of outside the city movie uh, based on Native American legend, Larry yes. Fessenden film. Okay. Uh, Wolf, the uh, Jack Nicholson, James Spader movie. I remember liking that. I remember when I it came out. I like that movie. You, do or, like you do or you don't like it? No, I like that movie. Yeah. We, we had yeah. A, yeah. Well, oh, hey, I don't want to give anything away, but this Spooky Flicks Fest, we may have a certain theme. And that, mm-hmm. and that movie and the next one may be in the mix. I'm just saying because the next one is Wolfen. Awesome. I like that one too. You know yeah. what? Yep. Ready, you ready for this, Daryl? Ready to be not shocked at all? I've yeah. never seen all of Wolfen. Wow. Never have. 
I don't don't know why. I've seen I don't like know why either. You're I've seen, I know. Oh, I've seen bits of it. I just have never like I'll, it'd be one of those I'd start it. It'd be on you know HBO or whatever it was on. I'd and see, you worked at a at a video store. I don't. I know. know why you didn't watch it? I, I would watch a lot of the same movie over and over again. <laughs> I see that. That's what I would do. <laughs> so uh, one thing I just want to quickly mention is I've been told over the years that Daryl's not a horror fan, but of the movies we've gone through, a gigantic list. Sounds like you've seen the majority of them yes, and yeah. liked most of the ones you've seen. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I don't think I, I guess I don't realize it. But again, when you go see movies, the, the pairs they put together, is just yep. you had to, you know, really what it is, is Daryl does not want to be lumped into the same bucket as me. <laughs> I, uh, makes well, sense. It, it totally makes sense uh, i don't blame him all right so we have uh, the world of the flesh and the devil it's actually called the world of flesh and the devil and it's from 1959 it stars harry belafonte oh wow and it is about um a guy he's in an underground mine and he comes out and he realizes there are no other people on earth uh earth has been hit by a radioactive attack and he is walking through new york city realizing he may never see another person again Hmm, um there are other people in it yeah yeah there are other people in it um he does eventually run into some people but it's a very interesting post-apocalyptic sort of film a black and white and yeah starring harry belafonte it's a good movie wow putting that on my list interesting i missed this crazy yeah. And next we have well, the last two have similar titles. We've got zombie, at least for the opening sequence and zombie yeah. Holocaust. Yeah. They, they, again, they have that, that uh, at least portions of it set in New York city and, um, you know, sort of qualified just, and very memorable. I mean, though, especially in zombie, you have that opening in, in the Harbor in New York. And then the, the last scene on the bridge, um, you know, even though the mo- most of the movie takes place on a on a tropical island, uh, th- those are two very memorable sequences. All right, so then that wraps up our in-depth discussion of New York State horror titles, and so uh, we will move right in to our feature review of Street Trash. I don't need this. Are you tired of the same old routine? My wife. Busting your hump and getting nowhere. This just ain't my day. The boss, is he always on your back? My ass belongs in your chair, not in your lap, which is where you keep trying to put it. Do you ever feel like forgetting the whole thing? I think I got it easy. Well, now you can. I'm talking about life! Drop out and join the ranks of the few. The filthy. Forewarned, freedom has its price. Yes, there's always a snake in the Garden of Eden. What you got for me today? Today, ten or five viper, one buck. Don't drink my viper. What? Street trash. It's easy to find us. We're all over the place. All right, 1987 Street Trash, uh, directed by J. Michael Murrow. The, The tagline, things in New York are about to go down the toilet. Probably the most famous scene 
uh, in the movie, um, or one of the more one of the more famous scenes in the movie involves a uh, a homeless person uh, sitting on a, a toilet, not not uh, uh, just sort of out in an abandoned building, drinking Viper. Uh, the the setup of this is a band of homeless. They reside in a New York City auto wrecking yard, and this. Uh, Freddie, I guess, is the lead character. Um, he goes into this uh, you know, local, uh, I guess, store. Uh, I don't know what you call it, like a well, a liquor store, and picks up a bottle of Viper. The owner of the liquor store had found this uh, crate under the stairs, probably been there for 40, 50 years, something like that. Opens it up, decides to sell it for a dollar a bottle. This Viper, anybody who drinks it starts to melt from the inside. And uh, always different ways, you know, that everybody, everybody has a different reaction to Viper. Um, and we see several people who drink it. Uh, one guy gets it thrown and gets it splashed on his face. Uh, this is where the, the, the gross out effect comes in. But this is also, it feels like a trauma type film. I read somewhere where Lloyd Kaufman hates street trash. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I've never read a quote about by him, but I've seen people post online that even though it's a very trauma-esque film, Lloyd Kaufman can't stand street trash. Maybe because it's not a trauma film. It mm -hmm. feels like a trauma film, but it's not it a does. trauma film. It, it does. It really does. Uh, but even some of the, the very uncomfortable scenes to sit through in street trash um there's one where a uh, uh, uh freddie brings a drunk woman back and then what happens to her is is uh, kind of horrific yes. um uh the the guy who runs this auto yard is really kind of gross <laughs> and you have this dynamic going on with the uh homeless people and some of the lines in this uh the freddie has a younger brother who's also homeless and, and lives in the auto wrecking yard and uh he says to him at one point something about their father and the younger brother says, oh, really? I don't, uh, did dad really do that? And Freddie's response is, oh, you don't remember? You were doing backstrokes in his <laughs> And you're like, oh my God. And that's one of the classier lines, I, I would say. The imagery that that conjures up as you're sitting here watching the movie. It's a crazy film, but yet the director does some interesting things with it. the opening sequence. Um, Freddie is on the run from a number of people who are out to kind of get him. Uh, one guy he took money from and 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 the camera's tracking along with him and it's really kind of just kinetic the way that the camera work is in this movie you know they very uh, sort of uh trying new things the the director and i i kind of like that about that but it takes a lot to draw attention away from homeless people melting and that's really what you get a lot of in in uh in street trash uh and like I said, each one is a little grosser than the last one. And would you also say, Dave, that you there's a sense that when making this movie, they just had a checklist and that checklist was titled stuff that will offend the crap out of everybody. Yes. And they just went down. wanted to do that. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Very trauma like in that way. Yeah, that that's what they're setting out to do is is to just offend everybody. And and when we were talking, Joe, it has the guy from Goodfellas yes. uh, who, who owned the bar. Yes. yes there was a Sonny. I think his name was Sonny. He's the one that has a sit down with Polly after uh, after Tommy broke the bottle Bug over his, his head. head. Yeah. yeah. And what, what do you mean to do? I'm going to be a lambist. I'm going to be running on the lamb. Come on, Polly. Help me out, Polly. Yes. 
But that guy plays a character almost like, and this is three years before Goodfellas. Yes. He's playing a very similar character. Duran. And the, uh, he owns a restaurant. And the guy who's the doorman <laughs> yes. was the star of Frankenhooker. How weird would it be? Because we always had this conversation that Scorsese, and I personally say he does it just to get on Friedkin's under his skin, that he prefers Exorcist 2. Like, I just, I don't buy that for a second. But you know that that's a thing that supposedly Scorsese said. Wouldn't it yes. be amazing to find out that Scorsese saw this movie? <laughs> and cast, yes, yes, that would be something. Yeah. That would be something. James Lorenz plays uh, the, plays the doorman. Oh, yeah, he's the doorman. Um, yeah. at, at, the, at the restaurant and has some very memorable scenes as well i love those scenes he was good i love the scenes between the two of them in, in this film oh that was like the, honestly that was the best acting in the movie i mean hands it down was, but the two of them yeah yes. it really was and the, the line at the end i thought the one that made me crack up is you know the, the whole kiss my and james was like kiss your it's dripping down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love that too by the way the first bit of dialogue if you want to call it that in this entire movie it starts with somebody farting Yes, that's it's, almost the first sound you hear. Yeah, it really is in the movie. I mean, yep. So if this appeals to you, <laughs> right? We if, said, that, if that opening scene appeals to you, yes, it's yes. A family film. Yeah. It's a family film. <laughs> yeah, the, you know what's funny? I have to say, I was aware of this movie. It had to be the late '80s, early '90s, and I wanted to throw that out on this episode. I could, one of the things I was most excited to do this because once I knew you were covering street trash, Dave, I was like, "Oh, I wonder if there'll be anybody out there who will be able to answer this question." And what cracks me up is I'm about to say it, and Daryl, you're probably the most likely person in my life who will be able to answer this. And if you know the answer to it, I have taken this long to ask it. I'm going to be really annoyed with myself. Uh -oh, but let's see what right. happens. So. I became aware of Street Trash because this would have been the late 80s or very early 90s. And I don't mm -hmm. know if it was Comedy Central back when it was called the Comedy Channel or if it was very early Sci-Fi Channel, though I don't think so. and Or it could have possibly been HBO. But my gut tells me it was the Comedy Channel before it became Comedy Central. Okay, And there was a show on there that was kind of like a Siska and Ebert, but they did horror movies. And they reviewed street trash and that's how i became aware of it and i remember thinking oh i gotta i gotta find this movie and but i feel like looking back on it just my memory was it was meant to be kind of a not necessarily a parody of uh, siskel and ebert but it had that vibe it was these two guys like kind of like two white guys in tweed you know kind of talking but they were talking about movies like street trash and so I, i'd always remember there being a few episodes i can even remember so if that sounds familiar to anybody that would have been on cable, most likely Comedy Channel, but it could have been Sci-Fi Channel or HBO. Please email me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that does sound. There was another movie review show that wasn't as popular. Yeah, this would have definitely not been as popular. I don't even know how long it was on the air. It may only have been like a handful of episodes. I do remember something like that. I just can't remember if, what channel it was on. But that's how I became aware of this. So I was aware of it late 80s, early 90s. Never got to see it. I don't, th I don't think my video store ever carried it. Um, and then, you know, by the time we got to streaming or whatever, it just slipped off my radar. Well, I was going to think, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this before we do this episode. Now, I've had like six months to watch it. So I, of course, waited till like three days ago. And I go on Amazon. It's not even It's not even available on Amazon. It's like uh, not available. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll click on it. It'll say not available at mm. this time. It yeah. isn't even like that. They don't have it wow. at all. It was on Shutter not for a, a not while. Now. Not adult. When I searched for it, it wasn't. Wow. So okay. I uh, I ended up having to find it on YouTube and with uh, I'm thinking it was Spanish subtitles, but it was in English. So I I did see okay. it that way. If I was going to rate the film, <laughs> yeah, if you I were. mean it's it's a very difficult movie to rate. I actually really enjoy it. I would probably give it a seven point five. Say it's a rental, but 
it's not going to be a movie that's for everyone. I think, uh, Joel, no. uh, you had a very interesting way of rating yes, it. Yes, I'm going to rate it a three as a movie. <laughs> but but when it comes to like the gore effects and just how just ballsy, wacky it is. And for the kind, I think for people that would enjoy it, I'd say it's like in the 7.58 range. But. It's fr- I don't know that I'll ever watch again. It's not because I was grossed out or anything because I really wasn't. Um, and mm-hmm. I will. And I will say I loved how uh, the big bad is taken out at the end. That was awesome. I love yeah. that. That was great. <laughs> and I and I, and honestly, the scenes between Duran, uh, the guy who ends up being in Goodfellas, and then the the kid from Frankenhooker, like their scenes, I was it were actually funny, and I liked that. But yeah. <laughs> so much of the stuff in between. I mean, there was stuff in there that I was like, wow, oh boy, yeah, that's something. <laughs> That is something. So, yeah, if you are easily offended, like even not even easily, <laughs> if you right. have a, a, an offended tendency on any level, I would say you probably would want to avoid this. I think this is this is a Josh review for me. I'm going to say it's an avoid, but <laughs> yet it's kind of watchable. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know if Josh has seen it, but I don't think I would recommend Ooh, Josh seeing this one. Josh, I do not think this would be your cup of tea. No, no. No, no. I know Dave actually had to review this a long time ago on episode 25. We did Luster Loved 80s Fair, and uh, those were reviews of Rawhead Rex, Slime City, Street Trash, and April Fool's Day. And uh, based on Dave's review back then, I thought, I'll never see this. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I'd say this would still fall into that bucket. It would melt no. into that bucket for you. Yes. It would, it would ooze. It would ooze and pustulate and whatever. Other, I don't even know that's a word. And it would, yeah, it would do all sorts of stuff. And honestly, again, <laughs> my favorite part of this movie, honestly, besides those two actors, was the gore. So if you want to just yeah, see yeah. fun 80s practical effects, then absolutely. If you don't have if you don't have a problem watching homeless people melt. Right. A lot. <laughs> and yeah. explode. We do get an explosion, too. Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, getting knocked off. You don't mind that. Yeah, yeah. There's the yeah. Just, <laughs> there's just a, this is another one of those two where like the, the scenes of sexual assault that happen and like the and I think what I found more troubling than just obviously the circumstance is like the music that's playing. Is, uh, yeah, it's yeah, a very sort of circus carnival like. Yeah, yeah, like what is happening? What? Why? <laughs> what? Is, oh God. Okay. So yes. Yeah. So you say recommend, right, Dave? Well, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a rental. Definitely give it a, a, a rental. And, um, but you know, like I said, you, you, you proceed with caution. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. yes. Rent it, but proceed with caution. All right. So then that wraps up our feature review of Street Trash, and now we will move directly into actually something that, by comparison, is far, far classier: the feature review for Basket Case from 1982. <laughs> What is the secret Dwayne is hiding in the basket? What's in the basket? Easter eggs? What's in the basket? Clothes. What's in the basket? What's in the basket? My brother. What's in the basket? Open it, if you dare. 
basket case. All right, so basket case, 1982. It. Uh, I'm going to read the IMDb version, though I may, you know, for the purposes of uh, political correctness, uh, tweak how the person who wrote this wrote it, and you'll know when I get there. A young man carrying a big basket that contains his extremely deformed conjoined twin brother seeks vengeance on the doctors who separated them against their will you know classy hey <laughs> i like this movie a lot and yes but you want to I, I, josh i'll make this very simple for you watch street trash then watch basket case <laughs> and believe me when i tell you you'll be like wow as i actually in my notes i came up with like themes that this is really about and what it was <laughs> trying to say like about like uh re like the, the repressed sexuality i mean i came up with a lot hey this movie starts off that it is a film that has been archived at moma the museum of modern art wow all right all right all right yeah. okay so it was written and directed by frank henenlotter who we've mentioned several times in this episode and it stars a gentleman whose name I apologize in advance, Kevin, but Kevin Van Hentenrich. I think I said it right. Henrik? That's about I, that's about as close I would have gotten. Yeah, so yes. That sounds good. And it's a movie that is very indicative of that vibe that I feel like Dave was going for with this episode. It, it just yeah. it starts off with Dwayne, uh, the young sort of the like the. Oh, gosh, gee, golly kind of kid. Basically, the kid that Daryl always has assumed I was when I would first come to New York. And, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'd be carrying a basket, he'd be like, I'm not shocked. You are kind of Dwayne. So he he shows up in New York City right there in Times Square, right in the middle of it. Early 80s. I and mean, the movie came out in 82, but presumably they what, shot in 81, 80, somewhere in that ballpark. And it just it has that neon gritty grimy sort of vibe you, know, you can see he's, he's going past all the peep shows and all the, the porn shops and the theaters and then what's cool though is in the mix of there then you said he goes by one that's got like a triple feature of kung fu movies and stuff like that and he stops at the hotel Broslin, and it is a movie where i'm guessing and i don't know a lot of the backstory so definitely dave jump in because i'm sure you you know a lot more than i do on that front it is a movie that he used a lot of non-actors, if I'm not mistaken, right? Isn't there quite he a did. few? Yeah. He, he did. And even the lobby of that hotel where the main character stays, they it didn't have a lobby. What they did was they had to set that up in the elevator of the oh, building. Wow. I think for Adenlotter said they shot this for like $35,000 or something, really low budget. There's a great special feature. It was on the Something Weird Blu-ray Blu that was released, and I think it's part of the Arrow Blu-ray that came out as well, where Henelana goes back and revisits the locations of this film. Uh, and it's it's one of my favorite special features, actually, on, on any of the, the, the discs that I have, because he, t he shows you that, yes, the, the, where they had the hotel, they didn't have a lobby. They had to put a desk at the front of an elevator, and the guy would have to climb over it and sit behind it inside this elevator to pretend it was the lobby for this hotel. Wow. And it's like really sort of low-budget filmmaking uh, at its best, because you don't get that no, feel. You no, think it, this I is a lobby. Never have you totally think it's a lobby. Yep. Yeah. A small lobby, yeah, but a lobby. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it really is. But the thing is, it's one of those movies where, my opinion, I think uh, Van Hittenrick's performance is the strongest by far. 
but it's almost like everybody else in it plays it at, at this level where again because i think a lot of them were non-actors but i mean there, right. i'm sure there was a mix in there they're there it's almost like your resp- my response to the movie was the movie's called basket case okay which obviously is oftentimes been used as a way of like referring to someone's n- mental stability right oh so and so is a basket right. case I, which obviously then plays off on the idea of what he's carrying in the basket but then if you really think about it everybody around him up until the point where he unleashes his brother belial on the world they almost seem like they're far more unstable than he is that mm-hmm. he's the most stable person out of everybody he's dealing with. And it, and I think a lot of it, look, I think a lot of the performances could be read as wooden and stilted and the dialogue is, but in a way it works because it all feels so mad. It feels so just kind of wacky. And yeah. like the woman that follows him upstairs when he first gets to the hotel and he's going up to the room he's going to stay at and how she just starts telling him this story about the old lady that lived there. And like in the almost, she finishes the story kind of, but doesn't do a tr- natural transition to going, okay, well, I'll see you later. You know, just immediately, like almost like she's a drone just turns and the way she walks away, it's very jarring. And he reacts to it as such. And it's like little moments like that, that are just weird. And the thing about this movie is you get maybe what, 30 plus minutes in before you see anything more than a hand of Belial. Right. Right. And and when you do, okay, Belial is a latex puppet. But here's the thing. He's a latex puppet that at times is, in my opinion, while crude, really freaking creepy. Like the there's something (laughs) when he screams and there's something yeah. about the eyes, the way oftentimes, you know, you get something that's uh, made of, you know, latex and foam and it's got the the glass eyes and it just it doesn't look alive. But for some reason, there were moments I even thought maybe they had done something where they had an actor's head that they had, you know, would cast with the, the body around it and then like do maybe like their hand kind of like a like a Muppet type move. But I don't think mm-hmm. they did. I think it was always that or they use stop motion which again it's very crude but it all works i think to the advantage of just the weirdness of the story it's just a weird cool at times creepy unsettling movie and where it ends up and i don't want to give anything away but where it ends up especially when you like the whole movie like the like uh, it's like an hour and 30 minutes long and probably the hour 20 it's it got some really great gore. I mean, it's definitely bloody. And I, and I will say, especially for this time period, because I know with Dawn of the Dead, which would have been just shortly before this, you know, the, one of the knocks on that tends to be from people who see like the blood that that, that was like, they call it the 3M blood or whatever. It's got that almost pinkish, you know, whatever, that it's, it doesn't right. quite look right. This, right. however, got the darkness like it, there was some shots where it looked like real blood. And oh, yeah. um, and some of the like I said, some of the kills, and everything are very creative. But you get to that last 10 minutes and Dave, I don't know when the last time you watched this was, but if you remember, it's kind of a telepathic dream sequence that ends in a very uh, like running through the city. Yeah, Is that what you're talking uh, yeah, about? But yeah. Yes, but where yeah. it ends up and what happens involving yes. uh, a, a love interest of, yes. of Dwayne's, because as this movie progresses, you really get the sense that it would not even sense it's, it's very explicitly said Dwayne and Bilal have this psychic connection. And so right. with Dwayne goes to kiss a woman he's falling for Bilal reacts, but he reacts in violence. And then when Bilal does something like very violent, you know, Dwayne has a reaction. And so there's this, this back and forth, uh, yin and yang sort of thing going on, but the way it ends and it's sort of like the ultimate revelation of something that when you, you know, it's, it's said early on that Bilal, it was his idea. 
And you get the sense it was his idea to come here because these two young men, basically, what revenge for what was done to them as children because they had been born conjoined and they were forced apart. And so they want vengeance. But where it ends up is you begin to speculate that Bilal doesn't want revenge. I think he wants to have the experience of a young man. Of course, where it goes and what that means is so depraved right. and disturbing <laughs> and disgusting. Right. But you, but it's, but you kind of get it. And you also has that sense of the, that tragic comic element of the monster that didn't have to be a monster. You know, it's just, it, it, it's about conformity. It's it really, it's about a lot of things. So yes, I will stand by my 8.5 and I say you buy it for oh, basket yeah. case. Absolutely. Get the get the arrow Blu-ray. I and I don't have it yet. I that's one I used to have it on VHS way back in the day. I need to upgrade and uh, I will I will get the arrow Blu-ray for this. Absolutely. Well what do you give it, Dave? I'll say eight point five, absolutely. I'm right there with Joel. And buy it also? Oh well, yeah, I bought it. But yeah, absolutely <laughs> buy it. <laughs> I, I give this like a four, but <laughs> But I, I will say, if you like, as as Joel has said in the past, squishy horror films, um, I, th- I think it's a classic kind of of the schlock genre. So as much as it's not exactly my cup of tea, I, I recognize its place in schlock horror. And uh, I would say, yeah, definitely. And if give at least at least see it once if you like that kind of movie. Um, Dave mentioned the Arrow video release. We did get screeners of that at some point. And I watched the special features and it's a really great release. So if you do like the movie, I will say the arrow release is really strong, but I don't know that I would personally buy it. Oh, I personally would and will. And and have and will again. Yes, I have and will again. And <laughs> and I and I, I wanted I could have sworn, didn't somebody put out all three? Because I really wanted two and three. Because I want the box set, but I've only ever seen them on VHS because I got them when they came out at at the video store. Um nice. back in the day. But yeah, the original classic. Uh, I'm right there with you, everybody that tweeted in and said this is one of your favorites, but I will concede the point to Josh. I would say this movie is not for everybody. In fact, Daryl, I can <laughs> safely say it's not a Daryl pick. This is you're, not you're this saying? is the kind of movie that you need to watch just so you can make fun of me oh. <laughs> moving forward. I feel like that's that's probably Better really than the dolphins is what you're oh, saying. Oh no, it's way oh no, it's not it's not Dan the Dolphin. That's that's insulting. Okay. No, it's nothing like that. And it's not a munchies. It's nothing like that, even though it's dealing with, you know, tiny terror. Not the delight of the munchies. <laughs> not the delight of the munchies. Exactly. So that is Basket Case. That is the feature review. Check it out. Please do. And we will then move on to our feature review of I Am Legend. I'm not infected. Please. Nothing happened the way it was supposed to happen. Six billion people on Earth when the infection hit. I'm a survivor living in New York City. I will be at the South Street Seaport every day at midday when the sun is highest in the sky. Now just sleep. didn't do this. 
We did. Years after a plague kills most of humanity and transforms the rest into monsters, the sole survivor in New York City struggles valiantly to find a cure in this post-apocalyptic action thriller. Boom, boom. So it's the Daryl story, is what you're saying? Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yes, <laughs> that is my story. It's so funny, uh, not funny, but how COVID has changed all movies right now where... yeah. It's how I thought about, I like the movie, but how I thought about the movie prior to this pandemic to now, it is totally a different movie. Wow. Right now. Like, look, I mean, the feelings that he has gone through, like being alone and and, um, not being able to be with anybody, but the dog uh, feeling isolated, unsure, not uh you know st- not at all stable like you could just feel the sanity leaving him because he's just so alone um and there is that threat always looming right i love how they set that up in the beginning i forgot how well it was set up where just a man and his dog you know just out you know hunting doing their thing and then when the, the sun goes down just that feeling of it, just that feeling of it. And and when he's watching TV and they're talking about the people getting sick, it, it gave me chills when they're when they're talking about, oh, it's just a few people, you know, like a few people getting sick. And they're talking about more people are getting sick or when they're talking about and now they're they have to, you know, people have to leave the island mm-hmm. quickly because they're going to, uh, you know, quarantine the whole island. I mean, that totally frightened the crap out of me <laughs> because it is too realistic yeah too real yeah to what we're going through right now and i just i got to give it to him it's even more the acting of it because that whole thing of not being able to see somebody face to face touch them interact with them and then after months of that when you do get to see someone it does make you feel a little kooky a little crazy like you you have to get used to talking to people regularly again i mean if it wasn't for podcast and and you know in skype and uh you know in zoom i i think we would if this was in the 80s and this happened and we were quarantined for months from each other i don't know how we would be able to deal with this at all do you just go back to work after months of quarantine yeah, I I'm start I'm I just started. It's my second week of of working again, and it is so weird, and it is so strange, and we are still at a half capacity uh, uh, law for New York, so they don't want you know if there's a certain amount of uh, people that work in the building, they only want half of that, so it feels weird, and we're wearing masks, and every and the way he has to be methodical every day, like you can't mm-hmm. slip. That kind of feeling is how we are. That is the feeling that I have every day where you can't slip up once. Well, because actually, Daryl, I want to point this out. You, like mm -hmm. Josh, are in a situation where you've got a loved one. Yeah, that that is a definite. So you can't make mistakes. There's no such thing as a mistake. You can't you, you constantly have to be careful 
all the time. And it, and I think the movie really captures where, when he's not careful, what can happen to him, what he loses when he's not careful, right? When, when, when that one thing just goes wrong and, and what it costs him. Uh, and it, and it, it is such a, uh, a sad thing and and i mean even though it's a triumphant movie at the end but still uh it really does hit home um all those feelings like i didn't get it but i mean i got it i love the acting i did love the film but it really me it means more to me now uh, and i appreciate his acting even more in this film like he captures how you feel like you there's just that not feeling normal ever again when you're going through something like this and looking at New York, that was New York for us <laughs> for, yeah. for three months. I mean, uh, just going past the, going through the city and looking and, and New York is never empty and seeing, uh, just no one, all you seeing is birds fly pigeons walking around and looking for food and stuff. Cause there's no one there to drop any food for them um it is just a weird feeling it just feels wrong it's just new york that quiet feels wrong and it's scary and at night it's even scarier to to see new york that that you know uh isolated um i couldn't even imagine how people feel who live in the city Uh, i at least have a backyard i can go outside you know my back on my patio i can you know i feel the trees and all that stuff but I don't even know how people, how would you even deal with that if you were in an apartment and you have to work and you, and you're dealing with this kind of isolation, like, what do you do? Uh, it would, it probably would drive me nuts <laughs> to actually have to, to go through this, uh, like that. Uh, and yeah, it just, uh, this movie really, ca- I don't even need to see the, the creatures like the, you can even take the creatures out and we just mm. show darkness and it would be just as scary enough to to know that there is something out there that can infect you uh if you're not you know the ones around you if you're not careful um which is just uh yeah it just goes to this movie just it just hits on all those uh cylinders and and takes this movie and makes it totally different than the story that it was originally based off of it makes it totally different than that wow you made me want to watch this movie again, like right away. We've talked about it a few times recently because we've talked about COVID and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But right. man, yeah, I, I really feel like revisiting this now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That sense of isolation—it it really, it really hits home with that. And yeah. I haven't mm-hmm. seen this, I think, since it came out. But I remember liking it a lot, and I also remember feeling that same sense with it. Uh, it, you know, I am Legend, the book, in Richard Matheson, one of my favorite authors, and that's one of my favorite books. And mm-hmm. I've always felt like. The other versions never did it justice. Both uh, The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price and Omega Man with Charlton Heston. Certainly that one. I like both those movies. Yeah, but they're good. Yeah, they're, they're, good. they're good, but they're not like the book. This, however, and, and it captures a lot of the essence. Now, the book takes place in California, I believe L.A., whereas this mm-hmm. is they moved this to New York, which I actually think was a much smarter play because to your point, there's something about in a... I feel like a an abandoned L.A. just it wouldn't look or feel the same way that New York does. Like New York, it just because it is like you said before, the city that never sleeps and it has a reputation. And we all know what Times Square looks like, whether you've been there or not. And to see, you know, you know, 
herds of deer, elk, or whatever they are running through, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. and, and lions, all that, <laughs> yeah, all that. It, it's kind of yeah. like it reminds me of Twelve Monkeys too, right? Where you have the I know that's not yeah. New York, but it has that same sort sort of vibe. But right. uh, the one thing I do remember, and I realize that part of it is just the nature of the beast, two thousand seven. But since you watched this recently, Daryl, do the I get where they called hemocytes or something. I can't remember the the, the vampire zombie things. They do they look as bad as I remember them looking. They're the weakest part of the movie because I watched it today. I, I rewatched it today. It's the weakest part of the yeah. movie, but but it doesn't matter because when the acting is right, like it's like we watch old movies, right? Yeah. When the yep. when yep. the acting is right, you don't care about the CGI. Yep. You are so caught up in feeling what the actor is trying to make you feel. Yes, that that's what gets you. And I and I like how they subtly explain what happened to his family. Like they subtly explain. Mm-hmm what's happening to new york and people are starting to get sick it starts out a little bit like you know starts out like a little flu and then it it gets a little worse and and they even have him in an interview you know they even interview him the surgeon general and he's talking about oh we believe in him he'll he'll find a a vaccine for this it'll be okay (laughs) we just have to be patient they said we just have to trust in the surgeon general and i'm sitting there just scared out of my out of my mind (laughs) thinking about it like oh my god like we don't i mean viruses are such a it's such a scary thing right this is something that mutates and that's how it starts it it was a a flu at one time and then as it goes it mutated and then went and it got really crazy and i liked how they didn't show the creatures too much they didn't show them right away so that you kind of you got the it was more of the fear of people trying to get out of the city and him, you know, telling his wife, you know, you got to get on that helicopter. You got to go. You got to go. I'm going to I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. Um, it's it, you know, we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. And it's just, you know, like the the frustration of every time he tries to to use a new uh, vaccine and it doesn't work. And just the, the way he plays it, like the frustration, the anger, all the death, like when the you know like when people hear numbers i think they just think ah it's just numbers but when you start to put names mm-hmm. to people who have passed away you know especially during this covid time when you start seeing names and you start seeing family members talking about it it becomes a whole other kind of conversation right it it becomes a whole other thing when you think about it and I can't you can't even deal with the scope of in the movie you're like the scope of how many people are have passed is ridiculous but now of what out of the, out of the last 4 months it hits home 10 times more than than before like I, yeah. it was not even a thought of before in my head when I watched it it was just a fun little you know action movie thing you, oh it's, it's cool science fiction it's not science fiction anymore like this is this really it, it, it it's a it's a more realistic take minus the you know the the vampire creatures but take that out and just make it that it's just a virus that's can kill you and it and we have that we're dealing with that i mean if you're certain if you have certain things in your body it, it turns your body against you and kills you and that's pretty much what they're you know what the virus is doing to uh people in the movie even though it turns them into you know crazy creatures that are cgi crazy um <laughs> but yeah this movie uh, you look at this movie and you look at how he's feeling we're still going through it it's not like it's over like you know like not 
you having to be so careful and not being sure that you can be around, you know, certain people unless you've all had the test, but you can, you know, like all of that is like all that angst that we're feeling. He, he is delivering that in this film. And it, and it just blows my mind that if I had told myself back when I watched this film, uh, that back in 2007, what I would, f- what we would be going through right now, I would have smacked myself in the face and said, that's a lie. And what are the lottery yeah. numbers so I can win money? <laughs> Dude, I mean, you're living next door to the biggest outbreak in the world. I mean, yeah. that's got to be pretty crazy. Oh, my God, it, it is. I mean, the, the, you know, having uh, sirens go by every night. Uh, and that's how it was. It was there was a point where every night you heard uh, sirens, ambulances going back and forth to the hospital. I mean, we were finding uh, they were to a point where they were putting bodies into U-Haul trucks because they did not have enough space in funeral homes to bury the bodies. That's crazy, uh, dude. That, that is, is what was apocalyptic movie kind of stuff right there. Yeah, yeah, that's apocalyptic movie stuff. This is stuff I've been watching since I was a kid. So when you're in it now, it's like, I can't, but this is really happening. There are times when you wake up in the morning. I love how every time he goes to bed, they show him waking up in the morning and he has that look on his face that I know I've had where I'm like, all of that had to be a dream. Right. There's no way this really happened. Right. Everything's fine. Right. (laughs) Right. And then you look and see you turn the news and it's all you hear. You're looking and you have like packs of masks and gloves all over your house. Right. And it's like every morning they show him every morning waking up and that and that hit that realization hits him again of what happened. Like he's losing so much of, of, of civilization and trying to get it back. Uh, and that's where we are, right? Trying to get back civilization and at the same time, not trying to get infected by it, right? It's, it is such a, it's like a, it's like a movie. It's, it feels more like a movie than, than, in, than real life. So that's why it makes this movie just, uh, some, I can't watch it again. Like I'm done. I was done after I watched it today. I was like, <laughs> I'm emotionally spent. That's why I needed crown Royal. It's not just from work. <laughs> I needed to watch the movie. Cause that wow. is just, and when, the, what happens to the dog when he loses the dog, it's like, Oh, oh. my God. I like, spoiler I can't cry alert. at work. Well, <laughs> spoiler alert. My bad. I kind of always Then what is your, uh, do you have a, a rating? I mean, the only minus would be the CGI, uh, uh, creatures. So what I'd, I'd give it uh, eight out of 10. Oh, yeah, I actually wrote down my memory of it is it would be like a 7.5 or an eight for me as well. And I also remember me too. Yeah, Same. yeah, yeah. I remember liking I, it a lot. And the thing was, is I was always very particular about the ending of the book without giving anything away mm-hmm. because it ends in a way that let's just put it this way. Hollywood movies seldom go there. And I feel like if my memory serves without giving it away, uh, yay or nay that the ending is bittersweet. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I remember it. Be, I remember that being very pleased yes. that that it ended the way it did. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's a great movie. I agree with you. I'd say about an eight. Also, it's it's one of the ones where I like all three versions of this story. Yeah. But this one I saw in a the theater. I remember getting done work one night, and I had you know, I just said, okay, I'm going to the movies, and I just drove from work right to the theater, and I, this is the film I saw, and I was really impressed with it. Um, uh, like you're saying, the CGI, yeah, I mean, a, a little. Uh, there's a lot to be desired, but 
Will Smith is astounding. Yeah, he's really great in this role. He's really, really strong. And it's another great telling of this story. Um, Yeah, eight eight out of ten. Absolutely. Is it a rental or a buy for you, Daryl? Uh, I don't want to buy it because I don't want it in my house again and I watch it again. It's going to depress me. (laughs) It's worth buying, but boy, I don't, it's not something that I could rewatch over and over again for sure. I can't do it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. That was excellent. Excellent feature review from Daryl Taylor. That's going to have to be my double feature with the world, the flesh and the devil. Yeah, there you go. There you go. (laughs) Two picks for Josh. All right, well, that's our feature review for I Am Legend. And now we will do our Shudder Screaming Online segment. All right, welcome to our Shudder-sponsored Screaming Online segment. Shudder is a streaming premium video service streaming a unique collection of exclusive and original films series horror classics and blockbuster hits in the thriller horror and suspense genres you can get it for 5.99 a month or 56.99 per year and you can stream it on your apple devices android devices xbox amazon fire google chromecast roku and more there are a bunch of cool new releases that are shutter originals right now there's lake of death uh, which i recommend people check out the beach house which i reviewed last episode i recommend people check out and one for joel called the pool which is a crocodile film that uh, just came out here in the u.s it's been out in asia for a couple years it's from thailand i believe that's correct yeah nice yeah, I think I saw a little something about that. Yeah, I want to check that out for sure. That one's on Shutter, but um, several of the films that we discussed tonight are currently streaming on Shutter: The Burning, uh, which we mentioned, as well as Maniac and Maniac Cops One, Two, and Three are all currently streaming on Shutter. So, I wanted to talk about some of those with you guys really quick. Um, these will just be kind of more like micro reviews, unless you guys have a lot you want to kick in on these, which would be fine also. But um, Maniac is a 1980 film. It's directed by William Lustig, and it is co-written by C.A. Rosenberg and Joe Spinell. And now Joe Spinell also plays Frank Zito, the maniac from the title. And uh, this is one of the most disturbing films you'll see, I think, it's fair to say. It's a classic 80s horror movie and i think it's so good because it's so early in the slasher genre we're only talking in 1980 but it already is doing kind of a spin on the slasher genre which is you're getting it from the killer's perspective um which i guess in in a lot of the giallo films we were seeing that pov shot that you get a lot in the remake of maniac that one's mostly shot from the killer's pov but i don't mean that i don't mean uh, like the literal pov shot i'm talking about like you're with the killer the whole time and i think that's one of the most interesting things about it you've got all of these other characters and tropes you'd see in a slasher film but you're seeing it from this guy's perspective and he's messed up you know he's he's off the rails and you see these different sides of his personality as he really spins out of control and it reminds you of a norman bates type i mean he's a lot sleazier than norman bates joe spinell does not have the same essence that uh anthony perkins does by any stretch of the imagination but it has he's struggling with a lot of those same mother issues and he's talking to his mother in kind of similar ways 
And you also have, you know, the incredible special effects here from Tom Savini, and they're just disgusting and uh, over the top and also just totally realistic in typical Tom Savini fashion. And uh, yeah, I think this is a total 80s classic. It's a slasher classic, and I think it fits perfectly uh the vibe that dave was talking about for this kind of seedier side of new york i just want to pipe in and say i am very glad you did this review this movie along with the burning and a few others are those secret shames of mine where my entire horror movie going life i always see the box and i will say maniac however there is a specific reason i avoided it it's just because I'd, i would see clips of it and i knew the basic premise about a guy who just went around scalping women and i found just conceptually and from what i had seen of it it seemed so deeply disturbing that i was like you know i sat there i spit on your grave i sat on last two last house on the left i'm good i don't know if i if i want to do that so years and years go by i ended up not seeing it and then uh, when we finally were going to do this, I'm like, you know what? No, I can't come to the table with never having seen Maniac. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, Tyson Hanks, uh, who's been on Retro Movie Geek uh, with Daryl and me before. He loves this movie and he's like, oh, yeah, you got to see it. So sat down and I watched it. And I actually really loved uh, Father and Son Watch Horror Movies covered this. And I think Jackson had never seen it before either. And he I'm going to totally paraphrase you here, Jackson. So I apologize for not quoting you exactly. But his basic takeaway was he was profoundly disturbed by it. Like it was just a, an unsettling, not a fun movie, but, right. but, but he had an appreciation for it. And that's where I come down. It's like, I was, I honestly, I thought it was going to be way. I know this is, there's some people who probably would watch this movie. I think I'm out of my gourd for saying what I'm about to say, but I thought this movie was going to be way sleazier and even more disturbing than I found it. Now, I'm just, a lot of people will find it beyond the pale and I get that, but <laughs> But what I'm saying is, like, I guess I went in maybe with like an expectation that was way, way high. Because you know, like I saw pieces when I was way too young, and that still traumatized yeah. me to this day. So I think you I was, built it up in your mind as yeah, like, a- yeah, like that. And it's like it's not it's it's sleazy and skeezy in a sweaty you're with Joe Spinell the whole time kind of way, but not in a pieces kind of way. If that makes sense, like it, right. it's it's really, he that character is very hateful towards women. And, and I'm sure a lot of people can make a very sound <laughs> argument that the movie is. But unlike a pieces, like I don't get that, that to that degree. Like I always feel like this is more in like a Henry portrait of a serial killer camp that you're with this really repugnant human being for the duration. And you are going to experience what it might just a little bit feel like to be in his mind and you are not going to like it and it's going to be really unpleasant and you'll be really happy that you're not like this. And, and that was what I took away from it. I was I, honestly, I, I, when I say I liked it, I feel like it's like a weird thing to say <laughs> because I, I just, I appreciated it for what it was and for how upsetting and disturbing it is. It's a really effective, just messed up movie, but it, it, it feels like you're seeing the slice of life. Like it's a character study of just this depraved human being. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I think for me, what it is, is it's almost like that Travis Bickle effect from taxi driver in that that's who yeah. you're spending your time yeah. with. And you're seeing just how disturbed 
this person is. I mean, a maniac, it's even, it goes beyond even Travis uh, in Taxi Driver until Travis hits a certain point. Sure. Um, but then you're seeing them interact with others and how other people are sort of responding to them. And it's almost like you want to tell these people, hey, this is a very dangerous individual. Um, and with, with uh, the character Maniac, it even goes beyond that. It's like, you know, th- this is this is a guy who is just completely unhinged and it, you're spending your whole time with them. That makes it just feel even for me, even a little bit seedier because you're in their world with them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a place you want to be. No. <laughs> and that's why I do think of Maniac when, when I think of, uh, you know, what I was conceptualizing as the seedy, grimy side of New York. It could be the character as much as the setting. Yeah. Because Spinell's performance, dude. Holy moly. It's amazing. It really is. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like. If you had told me he was, I've heard actually positive things about him in real life, but if you had told me, mm-hmm. yeah, people wondered, I'd be like, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I totally believe it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it is a profoundly disturbing movie. I mean, and I think that there are things in it without going too deep. Cause I know it's supposed to be a mini review, but there are things in it where certain characters, let's just say seem to be totally cool with him. <laughs> like, very, like, right. a, like no, sight unseen. And I get that it's 1980 and it's a different time. Yeah. I call shenanigans. Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy had already been apprehended at this point. People would not have been like, Hey, you creepy sweaty dude who just shows up at my apartment. <laughs> and like, yeah. Come on in, bro. Come on. Come on in. No, 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 no. But I think if you, but if you take it from the perspective of maybe he's, how much of this is he imagining? Right. How much of this is actually happening based mm. on other things that happen? So I, I think that, you know, it's an interesting movie. It really is an interesting movie. And um, and I uh, really am glad that I had the opportunity to see it, even though there's also a part of me that, you know, isn't. <laughs> but, but you know, it is a really right. effective movie. Yeah, it is a classic. And, and I, yeah. you know, those are good warnings. So I think if you're sensitive to this kind of stuff, you know, even a lot of us are so tread lightly, but it's, it's, it is a classic of the slasher genre. And also, I would also say for people who wonder, you know, we've, there's always the debate with slasher fans. Is it a slasher? If they're not using some kind of stabbing tool, if there's not slashing involved, can you use a gun and be a slasher? I think this is one of the films that makes a strong case for absolutely. Yes. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. This isn't a slasher. I legit don't know what is. (laughs) I, right, I, exactly. I, I got nothing for you if if this isn't. Uh, do we want to give ratings on this or yeah, just absolutely. say stream it on Shutter? I think stream it on Shutter, but I'd also like to rate stream it. it. Yeah, let's let's do it. All right. Well, I give it an eight. Yeah, same here. Yep. What about yep. you, Dave? I'd come in the same. I'm not sure. I think I've rated this before, but I'll go with an eight. Yeah. All right. And uh, also, I'm going to talk really briefly about Maniac Cop. Now they do have Maniac Cop two and three, which I have seen, but it's been a while, and I don't really remember. As I was kind of looking these movies up, I saw online that people tend to think the Maniac Cop 2 is actually the best of the series, and uh, Maniac Cop 3 would be the, the strong drop-off in the series. But they're all available on Shutter currently, and I like the first one. It's I think it is, again, kind of like a slasher classic. In this movie, you have uh, some killings taking place in New York City from the Imdaba synopsis, as Joel would say, a killer dressed in a police uniform begins murdering innocent people on the streets of New York City. And so these murders are taking place. People aren't sure if it's a cop or someone dressed as a cop. Ultimately, it is Robert Zadar, who is just a 
giant man. People would recognize him as the face from Tango and Cash. He's got a giant mug. And um, Tom Atkins is on the case. He's the one investigating uh, exactly what is going on here. And Bruce Campbell is one of the people who is a suspect in the case. He may be, in fact, responsible for the killings. And so it's a really fun horror cast. Uh, Richard Roundtree plays Commissioner Pike. He's fantastic as always. And it is a B movie or even a C grade movie, but it's fun. And if you like slashers and you like kind of that, that B movie mystery, it's, it's a good one. Bruce Campbell is playing a similar character to the one you disliked in fatal attraction. Yes. Joel, where he's kind of the, the hero in a lot of ways, but we're introduced to him as cheating on his wife, which leads to her death. So (laughs) that's true. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is weird in that way, the way it's structured, um, the way it switches between Tom Atkins kind of being our hero, I suppose, um, and the way it kind of changes three-fourths of the way through. But um, I, I think it's a fun film. It's it's kind of a throwaway film, but if, if you're an 80s slasher completist, it's definitely one to check out. And it's a recommendation for me. I'd probably call this one a 6.5 terms of an objective rating but i'd say stream it on shutter yeah i i would say uh 100 stream it on shutter i give it a 7.5 i mean it's got tom atkins and bruce campbell this could have been a steaming turd pile <laughs> and i would have given it probably at least a 6.5 or a 7 but i'm giving it a 7.5 because i actually really like the movie um we also should say it's not only directed by bill lustig but it's written by larry cohen and i believe cohen produced it yeah and also i do want to give credit there is maybe the craziest stunt i've ever seen in a movie at the very end of this film where i was just like how and why did they do this to a human being <laughs> uh, and and you know it's not cgi that's the best part you're like you nope, know that's it's real not CGI. that's real that yeah. just happened and then uh, we also should say bruce campbell does show up he is in the sequel yep and again people do seem to prefer the sequel so i will be revisiting that since it's on shutter but i have not seen that probably since high school i'm like you man i haven't seen it since the early 90s myself yeah i don't remember the sequel i only remember the first one yeah and i don't know that i've seen three and i'm so glad shutter's got three because i don't think i ever saw three two i know i saw i just don't remember much about it and then Part one, I I have it on you know Blu-ray and everything, so uh, I love that one. But yeah, seven point five for me. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I'm gonna say probably a, a seven point five, maybe an eight. Okay. Uh, and I have the Blu-ray, and I definitely uh, recommend it. It's a great movie. Uh, and Daryl, I feel horrible and beyond remiss that I didn't ask you because I don't know with Maniac if you had a rating or not, or Maniac Cop. Do you have ratings for either of them? Maniac got uh, oof. That <laughs> uh, was pretty rough to watch uh, with the killings. Those killings are pretty rough. Maniac was probably more scary to me than Maniac Cop was. Yes. Maniac Cop would probably get, uh, probably give it a five. Okay. I would give uh, Maniac probably a 6.5 because it really did scare me a little bit more because that can really happen. Yes, I got you. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely. Yeah, Maniac is a whole different animal. <laughs> That's not even. Yeah, Maniac yeah, Cop I, is fun. Like, I, 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 Maniac Cop is just a fun movie to have on in the background. Maniac? (laughs) Not so much. Not for me. No, not maniac. You, you, no, you start checking windows and stuff. (laughs) For uh, sure. Locking doors (laughs) and and doing things when you watch that one. But yeah, Maniac was a, I don't remember, I don't know why I don't remember the sequel. And I know I watched it. 
So that will bring us to the end of our Shutter Streaming Online segment. Daryl, if you want to watch any of the Maniac Cop movies, <laughs> uh, you can catch them for free. Uh, you can extend a regular seven-day trial to a 30-day trial by using our promo code to try Shutter Free for 30 days. Go to Shutter.com and use the promo code HMP. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and promo code HMP. All right. So I guess that brings us to the end of our New York State of Grime-themed episode, episode 199. I guess that would mean that next episode is 200. Yep, and we are going to be utilizing an AMA format where we just uh, answer listener questions. We might even have some listener call-ins and talk to people, but we're just going to kind of take it easy for episode 200, although we will have a few surprises that will be fun. Oh, excellent. So Looking make forward sure to you don't miss it. Yes, indeed. And uh, do you want me to real quick do the New York story that I had with my son? Do you want me to do that? That's up to you. We've been waiting so long. Absolutely. absolutely. All right. So let's do this. I will will keep it as pithy as humanly possible. So here's the long and the short of it. I got three kids. We homeschool them. They were in the Montessori Model United Nations. And the big reward, wonderful thing you get to do with Montessori Model United Nations is in March, they have a big conference in New York City. And New York City, and we had never been to New York City. And no. uh, Daryl, as it turns out, as we've learned from this episode, lives in New York City, and I've known Daryl for years and years and years and never got to meet him. And honestly, sure, my kids were super excited to go do all the New York stuff. I was excited I got to finally meet Daryl in the flesh. Yes. And give him a hug and make him feel very uncomfortable. This, of course, yeah. was at the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> because yes. uh, this would have been the first week in March. Now, as you can imagine, uh, the week or so going into March when the news is started to leak out like, oh, like one person here to you know, it was very, you know. Yeah, that's how it was going all yeah. over. Like, oh, yeah. One, yeah, one person here, two people there, yep. you know. I think it may have been just like the day or just a couple days before we got to New York is when that school somewhere in New York had gotten shut down because there had been a few people. It was the second day that you've been there. I think. It was somewhere in that ballpark. I remember. So this was about yeah. like March 4th. Yeah. I think we landed on March 3rd because the the day we landed was March 3rd that evening. You know, we go and have have uh, dinner and whatnot. But then the next day we go, we were going to do a little sightseeing. And that's when we got to meet Daryl and he went with us. And we were going to top it all off by finishing off our little sightseeing tour before we had to take the kids back to the hotel right there in Times Square by going uh, to the Empire State Building. Now, full image of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, My whole family had had the flu in January and it was a gnarly flu for us, which I know a lot of people said, actually, now that we all know about COVID, we're like, you know, looking back on it. But we, we all you know, we got through that. And my oldest, though. He's always had allergies and stuff when he gets colder out. And so he had started coughing and it was a bit of a gnarly cough. But, yeah, okay, he's coughing a little bit. And we paid a lot of money to go to this thing. We're like, "Eh, we're going. Mm -hmm. So we took we took him up. So he had this cough and not I mean, he was, you know, congested and stuff like that. He had had like a very mild fever for a very short period of time, but it kind of went away. Everything seemed fine. So we take him to the top of the uh, Empire State Building and and we had the benefit of, of a inside man who is awesome and should not remotely feel bad about what was to come. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we 
took him into the high. I, like, I have an end to get, to get free oh, passes yeah. to go up. Like to we went to the, the tippy top. End. We were the only one that would have been higher than us well, would have been King Kong. Yeah, like we, were we went at, all the way to the to all the, the way to the top to the top top of. Is it twelve hundred something feet up? Something like that, right? It's something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then ninjas came, and we had ninjas came and attacked us. Ninjas everywhere. And so we, but we even did the thing where you go outside, like the wind was whipping around. It was cold, 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 cold. Yeah. Especially the last river, Florida. So we finally came in. We go downstairs. Well, we get down to the bottom, and all of a sudden, Max, Mm -hmm. my oldest, she's thirteen. He starts fast elevators with that. Yeah, it was really fast. And we we get down there, and he tells, uh, you know, we were gonna do a potty break for some people and so he's like hey can i sit down we're like yeah go sit down and then he, okay we get up we go we get outside he's like he starts grabbing his chest and he says dad i i got it i can't breathe dad i, I need to sit down now i'm like oh i'm like and, and like the look on his face yeah it what, dropped yeah it, it wasn't was a joke like this wasn't like a kid look I, I gotta admit, I do that thing with my kids where they kind of go too far, like with the like, oh, I don't feel good. And you're like, yeah, okay, whatever, roll your eye. But like, you know, when you look at somebody's face, you're like, hmm, hmm, okay, this is bad. <laughs> and yeah. so, literally, this is like Daryl was ready to call his Uber. We were getting ready to call ours or, or Lyft or whatever it was. And yeah, I was gonna be going to the train, and you were getting ready. Man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you were going to the train, and so we were mm-hmm. literally about to split off when this happened. And uh, I want to say on the outset that. And I'm and I'm not just saying this to embarrass him, though partly I am because you know he knows I love him. But Daryl was awesome. Like that dude was stood by our side the whole time, kept my kid other kids calm. Uh, so he knows I love him. And Max got on the bench, so he saw my wife's lap on this bench. And only in New York, only in New York, could a kid at the beginning of a pandemic be clutching his chest and wheezing and like all the stuff going on and i'm on 911 calling an ambulance and this uh, dude i'm not kidding this dude is sitting at the other end of this bench yes didn't yeah he was just sitting there didn't budge didn't look he didn't want to give up that seat yeah not giving up dude not giving up my my kid is just sprawled out and it was a longer than usual bench but he was still within a couple feet i'm thinking you don't care about this kid that's cool i get it you're selfish great no he gave a look of oh why you gotta come over here yeah exactly yeah 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 he was was like on his phone and 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 what what makes it worse i'm thinking just self-preservation man like why would you stay sitting two feet from a kid (laughs) who is like what run what are you doing New York. Oh my God! So he stayed there through this whole thing. So we, the ambulance shows up. We get him to come around. The, this one woman who is she's sort of like the opposite of what I have like a, in my head is a like a stereotypical New Yorker where she is like smoking a cigarette around this kid who's obviously wheezing, but she like wants to help and she's like guiding the ambulance and like you know like very just assertive personality, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and then and again the whole time Daryl keep my my other two were starting to get a little freaked out because you know they're watching their big brother you know wheezing and, and not breathing basically and so uh and keep in mind by this point i've got it all running through my head what i've been hearing about this covid thing like oh cough and shortness of breath i'm like oh mm-hmm. what is happening am i in a horror movie what is happening so uh we kept it cool though we we got him on an ambulance and they they he was so bad they he couldn't stand up to get on the gurney like they no, had to lift they had him. To pick him up yeah and so they get him on there they get him in the back my wife goes in with him uh they take off and then at that point you know daryl and you know we basically the cop that was there that was helping us he was really he was an awesome guy too he he basically made sure we got to the hospital like he it's funny because daryl i think at that point you separated you said bye you, you made sure we were okay and and again like i know i've said thank you many times i care thank you because you were awesome <laughs> and i i mean i i would have been able to i think keep it together 
had I been like by myself for the other two, but just, you know, having you there, it really helped. So you, you ended up going and then we followed the cop because he said, okay, I'll take you in my car. And we get like halfway to his car and he does that move where you stop like you forgot your keys. Uh-huh. And he turns to us and goes, I just remembered I drove and he points and it's like one of those like ones that look like a roller skate. Yep. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, drive those little cars to get around because yeah, it's so crowded. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, he's like, I don't think we're going to fit in there. So this guy, I'll give him total credit, man. He took us, got us on a bus you know like i guess they got like a way they can just go on a bus or whatever he gets us on the bus and we don't have to pay nothing he went with us all the way down to the nyu you know medical center whatever it was and walked us all the way in and thank god he did because when we got up to the like security i guess because all the stuff that was going on my other two had started coughing and the guy oh. the guy checking names or whatever i gave him my son's name and i because i guess we might either beat him there like they may have gotten there right before us the uh the the guy was like real serious like the one you know running the desk he wasn't you know playing any games and and i mean i'm like trying to keep it together <laughs> and he goes uh uh, what's the name? And I said the name and I gave him like variations of the name because my son's name is Max, but he, his, his legal name's Maddox. I'm like, okay, is it this? And he's like, well, and finally the cop, the cop is like, look, man, I, I know he was there. He's in the back, blah, blah, blah. And they, and they, and I saw the guy look at my kids and then look at the cop like, are you, and make that, that face like, are you sure they're okay? You know? And he's like, uh-huh. and like the cop was like, just let him go. Just let him go. Okay. So we went in and the, the, I set my two in the waiting room. I go in the back and here's where protocols and like, if you want to wonder, <laughs> like I, I, everybody's doing the best they can. And I get that this is the beginning of something and nobody really gets at that point what it is or how bad it is. But like the miscommunications and it was almost sitcom level of mm. just how it went down. So my kids, like I said, you know, they were left in the rating room. I went in the back. I, I get all the way in the back in the emergency room area. And like the, the doctors that are back, they say, oh, no, no, you can't go back here without a mask on. I was like, okay, so I go back and I go tell the the ladies at the front and they're like rolling their eyes and like, oh, let me guess. It was that one guy, right? He's he's always wants somebody to put a mask on. I'm like thinking, look, please don't like get mad at me. I just want to go back and see my kid. So I go get a mask from the front <laughs> desk. I, I go in the back. I see him. I mean, he's like straight up like I like got the Darth Vader headgear on like they're pumping the air. But he told me like he's like he already looks like a thousand percent better. Apparently, as soon as they put oxygen on him, he was like off to the races um and but they did say that on the way to the er they had to stop the ambulance because somebody either ran into the ambulance or just smacked it with their fist so they yeah, probably normal yeah they had to stop and like get out and look and when the guy came back in he's like yeah i think somebody just punched the <laughs> so i said maybe it was a <laughs> i know it's like maybe it was one of those couriers maybe they <laughs> yeah they got they got nailed i don't know so uh anyway Long story short, my son, who went up there for Model United Nations, uh, we spent from the we got there the third. We had to leave like on the seventh, eighth, whatever that Sunday was. And he was in the hospital from fourth all the way till Saturday late afternoon. Wow. And, and we left Sunday morning at like five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, they and, almost didn't let you go. And they almost did. Did yeah. they give him a COVID test? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so here's where the shenanigans really begin. So keep in mind, I'm staying at a hotel in the heart of uh, Times Square right there. And. I'm there with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children from all over the world for the model United Nations and their parents. Okay. <laughs> so I go to the hospital to visit him. Right after that first day, I've get my other two in, you know, set up in their little rooms and doing their thing. I leave. They've got other parents that are helping. I leave. I go there. 
I get to where my son's room is in the ICU. Okay. And I tell the, I go, I'm about to go in. I, I say to one of those, I was like, do I need to put on a mask? I'm thinking, cause by the way, they said they're giving him the COVID test. They don't have the results back. It's going to take 24 hours. Do I need the mask? No, no, you're good. Okay. So I go in, I, I spent, I ate lunch in there with him. I kissed uh-huh. him on the forehead, hugged him, everything else. I got up. I left after like two hours. You want to, you want to know what they asked me on my way out? nothing nobody said jack squat i got back at an uber and i went right back to the heart of times square and right back into that hotel and oh, i think wow see what i'm saying like, I, like looking back at it now i'm thinking holy crap <laughs> yeah we don't know why it spread throughout yeah, yeah, new yeah, york yeah, like yeah exactly yeah so, so peter right. and daryl have, have taken to calling my son patient zero <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we just don't get it we don't understand how that could have happened we've contact traced it down to where we know it all began yeah. oh great yeah. now Actually, Darryl- the, 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 uh, the Empire State Building is shut down exactly Daryl to say he would never let me live that down might be the understatement of the millennial oh, oh sure <laughs> so uh, well, go ahead. we wonder how this thing got going and it's not super surprising that we're not doing that great compared to the rest of the world yeah, when you yeah. story like, I don't, yeah. you know what the worst part is like the poor nurses like the nurses in the ICU were amazing but they would get like it's a bunch of bureaucracy man they would get these protocols like literally it would change hour to hour so mm-hmm. like I showed up yeah, with my two kids because they just wanted to see their brother and he just wanted to see them I showed up because we were told it was okay we weren't there for 45 minutes before they're coming and go you gotta go you gotta go now the kid little kid basically kids under this age aren't even allowed in here and we're like you told us we could be but they were already in and then when we left they didn't say you know what would have made josh you know what would have made sense to me tell me if i'm wrong we show up there my son has a covid test that he's given in the er and they say i'm sorry until we get the results back from this all of you are quarantined like, right that may, but it would suck but it would i would at least get it what i don't yeah. get is hey you could come in no ask you could go back oh wait no no you can't come in oh yeah you can come in but you can't come in but you don't have to it was all over the place and again i don't blame anybody in the hospital that was doing the medical jobs like, no it was they, protocol it was it protocol was, it was the higher it was, ups that yeah, were yeah, telling yeah. them one was, thing nobody knew what was going know. on no not yeah, a clue not a clue. Dude. i don't know I don't, and, and so I so his know. test was come back 24 hours came back 48 hours almost 48 hours later it came back negative although he apparently had some other virus but the virus he had was kind of like a cold type virus and they said i get they said it's theoretically possible he could have had this reaction if all these certain factors were at play but it's funny I, well not funny haha um but a woman that works with us her husband works for um infectious diseases and some other thing where they live and he basically was telling her that a lot of those early tests were jacked up, both in the false positive and fa- yeah. and false negatives. So yeah. it's there. Like, we don't know. Like, you know, one of the things we 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 have to get like an appointment to give blood. But our blood donation centers around here are actually testing for antibodies. Now, I don't know if it's been too long, like they even still be in our system. But my wife for like two weeks after that had a gnarly cough. So mm-hmm. and she was with him in that ER the whole time. Oof. Yeah. And, and that's just the, the ICU, everything. She was in there with him. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It was, it was, that's uh, crazy. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my father in law, as you guys know, he went in for chemotherapy on March 28th and, you know, had zero immune system when that was happening oh, and man. had a direct line to his heart, like that was open basically in his chest. And the nurses working on him. We're going home at night. Like they're not quarantined in any way. Yep. Taking a bus into the hospital because that was the only way to get there is on a shuttle. Yep. And they weren't 
were wearing masks while they're working on we had to oh, add, we had wow. a special request wow can you guys wear a mask when you work on it? this is on march 28th he started and they were like wow and they were like no that's not policy we don't have to do it because it's not policy we're like well can, can we make a special request that you just do anyway yeah exactly. and they're like and the, literally the nurse that was working the night we asked, she's like, well, I'm not working on it. Then I'm not, I'm not going to be put in that position. So she quit wow. like that floor. Wow. So she didn't have to work with him. She didn't want to wear a mask while she was working. Oh my I was gosh. Like, yeah. now, I was say what, what, but what's really wacky about that in New York in that first week in March, this is what killed me about the whole, I didn't have to wear a mask thing. Every single person that came, especially in the ICU, but this is also once his, once his uh, test came back negative, some of them did it, but some of them didn't. Um, but they all wore masks the whole time. But most of them, I kept calling it like the low rent uh, cosplay for the movie Outbreak. Like they would come in with with their kind of look like those suits, but like a cheap knockoff version. And like they came in like full geared up. I'm not wearing a mask standing there, mind you. But they were dressed like that the whole time. Like they never wow. were were not. Yeah. Dressed. I'm shocked here by by the end of March that they weren't yeah. doing that. That's crazy, man. Well, yeah, it will end April too because he Jeez. entered on the 28th and he was doing that for a while. That's but anyway, insane. it was crazy. And you know, and family members are usually the ones who can be there and kind of advocate, but they wouldn't let anyone in there. So we we were watching him on a baby monitor, like trying to like <sighs> wow. advocate for it. it was Gee crazy. But, wow. Yeah. Well, well, on that anyway, note, it was not as bad as what you went through, dude. I would have been losing my mind. It was not fun. So, well, he almost. I don't think. I don't he think. What's did. that? Was that Daryl? I said you almost lost your mind. Hey, hey, hey! Credit where credit's due. I I kept it together. I was, whoo, I was close. (laughs) Like I said, you were a little bit. Yeah, it was close, man. I was close. It was. Uh, I haven't. I haven't been that scared in a long time, man. When you we start, it's funny. I noticed that once you become an adult, like you obviously worry. You don't want to, you know, anything bad to happen to you. But when you got kids, it's like. That that's a game changer. That is a big time game changer. Your just, kid can't breathe as high on the list of yeah. things you don't want to no. have happen as a parent. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like that's why a lot of horror movies now don't bother. I, I enjoy them for what they are, but I, I don't get scared as much anymore about a lot of things because, like that, to me, that's scary. Yeah, <laughs> that's terrifying. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So that I, that was my fun story. My vacation. Wow, God, I can't even imagine. It was pretty awful. So on that note, yeah. uh, Daryl, yeah. where can they find you online? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I'm not hiding in the closet trying to protect myself from getting any zombies or vampires on me. Yes. You can find me on uh, the voice one, two, three on Twitter, or you can look up Taylor network, a podcast on uh, online or on iTunes or Spotify or stitch radio. It's all on there. And all the podcasts that are on the network are available. Thanks for joining us, Daryl. It's awesome yeah. that you were. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I had a good time. Thank you. You know what? I was trying to get all this stuff together about what it was like in New York at the time. And I was a little bit like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll say this. Maybe I'll say that. But you captured everything perfectly. I didn't even have to join in. So thank you very much for, for joining us. That uh, took a weight off my mind, actually, by doing that. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Yes. Yeah, so thank you, Daryl. And uh, I'll be talking to you again soon. <laughs> Horror fans breaking in one last time to give a final plug for The Legend of the Bear Lake Monster. This is a film that we had Brandon Smith, the director, on for Leviathons from the Deep episode, and I ended up coming aboard that project as a producer. 
The Kickstarter campaign that Brandon was running for that has moved over to Indiegogo, and we would really love it if we could get all of the contributors to move over to Indiegogo as well. I promise you it's going to be a reality, and it's going to be awesome. If you want to hear more about that project, you can go back to that episode and hear the interview that I did with Brandon. He was a great guest. If you have any questions for me about it, you can contact me via social media, and I'll answer any questions you have. Thank you, and I appreciate your support. All right, so if you want to find us online, you can check out Wolfman Josh on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Facebook at Icarus Arts. He is also on the Gods and Monsters, a Universal Monsters cast. And you can follow Gods and Monsters at Monsters Cast on Twitter. Dr. Shock can, of course, be found all of his fantastic reviews at DVDinfatuation.com. And on Twitter, he is at DVDinfatuation. You can also like Doc's DVD Infatuation page on Facebook. And of course, Doc regularly appears on Land of the Creeps. And be sure to check out Dave's YouTube channel. Links for all that are in the show notes. I cover movies that are 20 years old or older at RetroMovieGeek.com. And you can follow RetroMovieGeek on Twitter at RetroMovieGeek. Or check out our Facebook group at RetroMovieGeek. And I also cover horror TV specials from the 70s and 80s with Allison the Horror Unicorn and Peter Pumpkinhead Nielsen over there on Terror on the Tube. And remember, we love reading and responding to your comments, so we hope you'll get involved in the horror movie podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at horrormoviepodcast.com, where you can find this and all of our past episodes. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorMovieCast. If you'd like to support Horror Movie Podcasts, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and Spotify. You can try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP when signing up. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code HMP. And be sure to get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at horrormoviepodcast.com forward slash store. We want to thank singer-songwriter Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. We also want to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for his arrangement and orchestration of Fred's original theme, which opens the show. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. That's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us at Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. I live in New York City. Very smooth transition from Idaho. There's just this attitude. New Yorkers believe this. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. They say that about their city. You've heard that. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. That's not true. That's not true. I'm from a town of a thousand people in Idaho. Do you think they could make it there? (laughs) They couldn't make it there? What happened? I don't know. He wandered off looking for gluten-free cupcakes, and three days later, we found a body. (laughs) Turns out, he couldn't make it here. It's like, New York City's like maybe the easiest place to make it. You get lost, but you pop up out of the subway and go, oh, the streets have numbers, and I see six delis. I think I'm going to live.
Is the Big Apple the, all the boroughs too, or is it just Manhattan? I shouldn't. I, I'm an outsider, so I, I'm making that assumption. It's just New York. Big Apple is just New York. Just yeah. New York. Okay, it's the whole, yeah. the whole, the whole thing. Okay, so yeah. but all being, the smut included. All yeah. the smut included. <laughs> yeah. NY Pizza Suprema. Is that right, Daryl? Do you know? Yo, <laughs> come on. You know all the pizza places in New York. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Gareth Young is from England, but he responded and he says, way too nervous to send an audio clip, but my picks would be the New York Ripper, Maniac Cop, and this goes without saying, but Ghostbusters has to be there. At the Selwyn, the toolbox murders with Dolomite. Now, Dolomite, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, it's it's such a fun film. It's a, mm-hmm. it's not a good movie. I'll be honest no. with you. It's not a well-made movie. Rudy Ray Moore has charisma to spare, and he's the reason to see it. But Dolomite is, I think I put in my review on the blog that that the, the boom mic appears so often it should have been listed in the credits. Oh, it's, sure. it's not a good movie, but it's a fun movie. And again, at the cell, when Slave of the Cannibal God with the Street Fighter films, the Sonny Chiba films, uh, the yeah. Sin of 42, 1981, Stir Crazy with When a Stranger Calls, The New Amsterdam, The Fun House with Bingo Long and His Traveling All-Stars, again at the New Amsterdam, Excalibur and Cheech and Chong Up in Smoke. <laughs> uh, That's a good double uh, feature right there. Uh, yeah, exactly. The Selwyn had Raiders of the Lost Ark with The Mighty Peking Man. Times Square had Wes Craven's Deadly Blessing with the um, Christopher Walken film Dogs of War. None of these are uh, New York films, but when I think about that kind of like peep show mm-hmm. idea, I always think about Paris, Texas, Boondock Saints, and uh, oh, maybe I'm just thinking of The Howling, actually. Yeah, I was well, thinking of The Howling, too. That was the first one yeah, that popped in my head. Right. Because those are the uh, vegetable eating, you know, every <laughs> new found science they would try right. to come up with. Oh, those... Youngsters and their vegetables. <laughs> oh my God, we rooted. I remember clapping in the movie theater when watching. <laughs> like, uh, eat them, get them, get them. We were rooting. I was loving great. it. I was like, if I was in a movie, I'd have tripped them. Like, get them. That's the one right there. See that dude in the suit right there? Get him. Get him. He has a ponytail. Get that guy with the ponytail right there. Uh, get him. The 82 version definitely sucks things up in a in a perfectly grimy way, like we're talking about. So right. I know. It embarrassed news pe- like news people trying to talk about what happened where the brother and sister uh, hook up. <laughs> and how you know how I mean, you think about it now, like back then, I mean them trying to you know, explain that one. Deal yeah. with that and explain it. I remember right. there were many a moment of if I think one guy said, If that was your sister, wouldn't you? And then he had to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody gave you know all the women in the room and the in the on the cast gave him that look like what <laughs> we've already name checked a few of these but i know that you had several on the notes dave that are not horror movies but are probably on the seedier side of things uh with with people's uh thoughts of, of what New York City may have been in that time period. So Dog Day Afternoon, which I freaking love that movie. I, I love that movie so too. Much. I absolutely love yeah. Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, mean yeah. Streets is another fantastic. Yeah. Pretty much anything Scorsese uh, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Vigilante, mm-hmm. you mentioned. Taxi Driver. I actually got to see Taxi Driver in this little rundown theater uh, near Saint, in St. Pete. I think it was near St. Pete Beach. And it was mm-hmm. this old thing. I don't think it's there anymore. I think it ended up going out of business. But it, it was the perfect place to see Taxi Driver 
in, on the big screen, just this side of like a sleazy 42nd Street <laughs> grindhouse because it was, yeah, the floors were just nasty. The seats were like collapsing in on themselves. It was the perfect theater. Uh, and, I, and I took my wife to see that with me and you know she was happy about that. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Death Wish, which we actually covered way back when on Retro Movie Geek. Yeah, uh, watched that as a kid. I don't know why. Yeah. Oh, wow. Saw that in the movie <laughs> wow. theater. That is not a kid-friendly movie. Yeah. Wow. And I'd argue of oh. this list that that and Taxi Driver are probably the, the closest to being actual horror movies, especially right. Taxi Driver. Uh, Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Midnight Cowboy is is a film. I, I saw that uh, again in the mid-80s. I had rented it. And it's interesting because it's about an outsider coming to New York and being part of, of that, that sort of grimy scene. John Voight plays a guy from Texas. He wants to be a, a gigolo, and he wants to go to New York and, and make a lot of money. Mm. Um, and he just doesn't quite, you know, he can't quite figure out how to do it. He meets up with Dustin uh, Dustin Hoffman, who plays Ratso Rizzo. And it's, it's again, not a horror film, but it's, it's more of, it's more of, it's like, it's like a drama, but it's the way that it depicts the city. And this is 69. I mean, this is even a little bit before the time period we're talking about now where, where Joe Buck played by John Voight is just finds himself in all of these situations, all these scenes. And at one point, I'm pretty sure he ends up on, on uh, 42nd street. Yeah. Um, in the one scene with the young Bob Balaban, when they go into a theater together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that, um, uh, that movie, uh, for a while, this was my uh, my favorite movie. I'd say for about a five year span, there, Midnight Cowboy was my all time favorite movie. I Street think I watched Kid. it, at, yeah, that, one, at least once, yeah. at least once every couple weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. New York Street Kids coming from other places to come here. Yep. Um, yeah, that that was the other thing you'd see. Uh, you saw quite a bit of uh, in the in the seventies, especially late seventies. A lot of people came here to, you know, to, to follow their dreams. I don't know why they thought New York was the dream, especially at that time. <laughs> it's not like, I mean, Disney, you would think at the Disney time would be the, the time you thought New York would be paved in gold, but not then. Right. Uh, you know, but yeah, kids would run away from home. A lot of, a lot of kids uh, that grew up in terrible situations, social workers were not, there were not enough social workers to deal with this, still aren't. Uh, and there were a lot of kids who were, you would see them in the city, just, you know, you know, wandering around, uh, alone, uh, nowhere to go. Mm. Um, and some of them were uh, sadly prostitutes. And yeah. They were, were put in that, in that position to earn a couple of money just to eat. And how many wore cowboy hats? All of them. <laughs> All of them. That's how you knew. That's how you knew. <laughs> that, well, that's, that, yeah, that. you think of like the whole Warhol thing and yeah. you know everybody living in a dirty hotel mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> together and yeah and coke days i mean you know like people who would just do coke for weekends like it would just it was that bad i mean there were people that would party uh they would just go from one party to the next party to the next party and it would be that way it you know you just would the city doesn't close and you just wander around uh, you know, there some movies capture that, like that, that that kind of feeling of always on the go, never knowing where you're going to stay that day, that night. Yeah. Uh, you kind of just lay your head wherever you end up at the end of the end of the night, whenever, well, the morning, I would say. Um, but that's kind of how New York, well, kind of part of it still is to a point. I mean, it 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 stays 
this pandemic really scared everybody when it made all of that stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but New York is kind of crazy that way. We we've had massless parties in the hotels. Like they've they've had parties all night where people are just gathered together getting. Yeah, drunk they're high. doing that in Florida too, Daryl. Yeah, so, so that I mean, but that's that you know that is a New York thing, right? That is right. that is that kind of city life. L.A. is like that too, like that kind of city life that people mm-hmm. uh, go to. They move to the city for that to have that life, right? It's like the, what the in the front and front was in New York, New York, Sinatra. I want to wake up in a city that never sleeps. Yeah. 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 It's a woman because it lays eggs. So that's different than the other ones considered male, right? Was it female or asexual? I can't remember. Nah. Yeah. It's non-binary. <laughs> yeah, jo- jo- yeah, there you go. Jo- Josh is like, I don't even care, dude. It's Godzilla 98. <laughs> can you milk it? <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, did you say, can you milk it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, Hellraiser Bloodline, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> which Dave alluded to earlier, but I, it has a certain charm to it. Honestly, it's one of my favorite of the franchise. <laughs> I, I, I actually, Bloodline is one of the the ones from that middle chapter that I enjoyed as well. Isn't that the one that has that apartment scene? Right? There's like a really strong apartment scene in the film. I mean, this is a movie. This is from that group that they were written as something else, and they just made them Hellraiser ah. to keep. The, the to stay, I guess to keep the um uh the rights to Hellraiser, they had to like release these Hellraiser, and this was not written as a Hellraiser movie, but it was a good film. Is is not the what's the one in space? Or maybe it's. A, I don't think Bloodlines in space. I don't no, know. I I, I can't figure. I can't figure out because I've what, always what, seen. They, they I, I know. I've, and, I know. I've seen Hellraiser one through three, and I think I saw the fourth one because I think that was the one in space and i'm just trying to remember which is uh, not- this is not the one i was thinking of <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is came- the detective one which is the detective one oh god i don't even know man i uh, yeah, i thought it was blo- i thought it was bloodline too and people are probably oh, shouting at their ipod i don't know no i'm wrong i i don't know i just i was assuming you looked it up so that's why i'm calling it bloodline <laughs> i have no clue <laughs> bloodline right, came it. out in 96 right. so so here we we have we have a determined Hellraiser Bloodline may or may not have taken place in space. Had a detective. Look, I got to now. I got to do something I didn't want to do. I got to look up one of these Hellraiser. Okay, well you go do IMDb. that while I'm saying. Well, I'm going to add the caveats. It may or may not have been in space. It may or may not have had a detective. It may or may not have had an apartment scene. And it may or may not have okay, been in New York. Okay, Bloodline is the one in the 22nd century. A scientist attempts to right his wrong. His ancestor created the puzzle box that opens the gates of hell and unleashes jug. Uh, ju- Head, Pinhead and his Cenobite <laughs> legions. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's not Bloodline. Bloodline is the one in space. Oh, Bloodline was uh, in space, okay. Bloodline is the one in space from 96. Let me look up connections and see if it says anything about previous ones. Maybe it's the fifth one. We might be okay, um, no. just not worrying about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's, my, my guess let's, is let's let's move on. Let's go move. back to our Hellraiser coverage for yeah. the one that was set in New York. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I got in a taxi cab maybe in New York City maybe about eight years ago. And what struck yeah. me is that you think you're going to hit every car on the road. Oh, it's when terrifying. You're in the, when oh, you're in a New York taxi. Is something, that boy. is for sure. You feel it, too, yeah. right? When you really do. When yeah. you the car yeah. to go close to every other car as they're j- just shooting through Manhattan. Like, you're just, <laughs> it's crazy. It, 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 it really is. It really is. nothing like yep. being in those cars. Well, I guess when you go out uh, to other countries where they have those small roads and I see people like, you know, 
in those right. small cars and stuff and they get scared that's i guess that's kind of how you feel when you if you've never been to New <laughs> yes. York before it's just i'm thinking okay well uh, how did we how did we not hit that car yes that, that's the or, the, or that group of people crossing the road that does not seem yeah. to care or notice that we're driving through <laughs> right or my favorite is when when uh you when a tourist sees a a, a messenger get hit by a car for the first time <laughs> and they don't realize that tour that that messengers it's about how much they deliver so they don't care if they get hit they will jump back on the bike and keep going <laughs> and everybody else will keep walking you could tell who lives in new york and who doesn't by the reaction the scream tells me you just got to new york you don't you don't know that they've just built to last they just make it they just have to go it's, it's i wonder amazing. if that's what happened it's, to my son's it. ambulance where he can try to tell like somebody hit the ambulance oh we'll get there all right yeah all right i know that you're used to peter doing that for us I'm so used to Peter doing that. Can we call Peter to get yeah, where, where is yeah, Peter? Yeah, that's awesome. We should have. You go. I'm reading this off the back of a VHS box. Yeah, let him go, go in the closet a, right now and read this synopsis really quick. It should be 2 a.m. where he is, so he's probably still up. Oh, yeah, that's, he is. That's he's watching true. TV oh, right he probably, now. He probably is. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> he's watching, watching like, a movie. Yeah, he's watching MacGyver or something. And yeah, and, and then on top of that, I will say that he would be uh, called out because he couldn't read this off the back of a VHS box. Because if I'm not mistaken, by 2007, when this came out, there were no more VHSs. I don't think there yeah. were. No, 2006, no, uh, the History of Violence, I believe, was the last mass issue of a VHS movie or movie on VHS. There's a movie, too. Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror. <laughs> I'm sorry. Daryl's on. And as soon as <laughs> okay. I'm a, no, <clears throat> hold on. I just normally I do that on our show and then you bust my balls. So as soon as I, I'm starting off the show doing that. So, all right. <clears throat> all right. Here we go. Get it together. Oh, yes. Go. Come on, man. Professional.